How to Waste Your Time. I am the mix mastered on the mic, Holden Hints, here with uh, that scoffing big birthday boy, D-Rydarian Ekiapato. Mix master and DJ D-Ry. DJ D-Ry. And the, the crazy thing is he was willing to... Uh, forego any birthday celebration today because he said uh, the podcast matters the most to me and I told him if we don't uh, record a podcast our friendship is over so yeah my words were uh, all I want for my birthday is this podcast to come out on time and uh, perfectly recorded that's all I wanted it's just a, a smooth sailing pod for my birthday well we're back into the studio uh, we have a new foam acoustic foam that's on the wall so if we sound more crisp um you can say thank you holden for putting up foam uh if we sound worse you can say why do you sound worse and i'll say i have no idea yeah how many square feet would you say this room is this room is approximately what 15 yeah 15 square feet 20 square feet yeah am i am i crazy do i know the metric system I don't, I don't think you do. It, well, here's the thing. Feet aren't metric system to begin with. It would be meters, square meters. Um, We're looking at about 10 square meters. Yeah. And then in those 10 square meters, there's 12 pieces of foam above my head. So I don't know. I don't know how visually anyone could picture that, but it's, um, I think auditorily, you can be able to picture uh, just our voices as I turned away from the mic and I could hear myself not sound great. So we're going to talk in one direction facing this one wall and hopefully we sound great. Those 12 pieces are going to be our audience tonight, uh, as are you. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Yes. Welcome to How to Waste Your Time. I am here to tell you uh, a little something about this show that you can listen to it however you would like, meaning if you want to fast forward or not fast forward, it is completely up to you because this show is modular. Whatever you want to get out of the show or put into it. Uh, you can absolutely do so. Yeah, just to reiterate on that, you know, it's a, it's, it, it it's supposed to pique your interests, and you know, you want, uh, we want you to find, um, hopefully, what you do like, and possibly in that same sense, something new. So, um, basically, go as uh, your heart desires. And if your heart desires to send us an email at how to waste your at gmail dot com. We would greatly appreciate that because so far we have received zero emails in like three months. So our email inbox is a little lonely. And in that email, you might ask questions or talk about what you liked about in a certain episode. Or preferably, we can be your beta testers and you can send us something that you're not sure about in any one of these nine mediums of entertainment. And we will beta test it for you and let you know if it's any good. And we'll even give you a shout out. We'll say this comes from George Costanza in uh, downtown New York City. Uh, he wanted to know, is Curb Your Enthusiasm a good show? Should uh, uh, And this uh, tweet comes from Jason Alexander. And he said, dang, I really should have jumped on uh, Curb when I had the chance. I, I feel like a buffoon in all my appearances in Curb, and uh, now I need to uh, uh, wish that I was better at it, and we will um, retweet that. Yes, find us at how to waste your at twitter.com. Uh, and they said it wouldn't happen. They doubted uh, the show would go as long as it has, but we're here. We're back, baby. 
And this is <laughs> the podcast that is the premier. It's pretty much the only podcast that is going to help you waste your time better. And the last bit of information that we want to share with you guys is that we are changing up the format a, a little bit. Um, nothing is going to sound different on our end, but I will be adding in audio cues for each of the nine, well, including the waste cap, 10 uh, discussion topic points that we're going over. So when you hear a little new soundbite that isn't either one of our voices, that is your cue that we are moving to the next topic. And welcome to movies. Hey, Holden. <laughs> what did you watch? What did, what movie did you watch this month? Well, brother, I spent a, a fortnight, which in um, non-video game terms is, uh, I think, 12 days. You spent a Victory Royale in uh, where? Where did you spend that Vic Roy, brother? I went to Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, for my stepfather's 60th birthday bash, 6-0, uh, I had a good time. I got a couple stories I can tell here, but on one of the nights, I spent the evening with my mother and stepfather, and they didn't know what to watch. And so, of Mom course, right, right, your big boy uh, Holden said, "Hey, I've got a watch list of uh, 300 movies. I'm sure I can find one movie that appeases the whole group that has action because that's all Mike is interested in, and, but also has like good acting and whatnot." Is this from the list? Did they pick or you picked? You, I, you you decided to go through and find something for everybody. Right. I, I have a letterbox account, and on that, I have like 350 items on my watch list. Some stuff is obviously would not appeal to them. It'd be really depressing. And other stuff I kind of knew, okay, this is going to be more interesting. So I separated it because you can organize it by genre, so organize it by action. Kind of looked through that list, saw what was available on like Netflix, and I found the movie Free Fire. Free Fire? And this part where I... <laughs> Uh, guess where uh, or just by the title alone um, what kind of movie this is so Free Fire is a it's a Greek tragedy tragedy um, known as a, a, a Free Fire and where this is the birth of a, a goddess that is known to be handing out free uh, Greek fire which is known to never burn out is that true so you think I would show my mother and my and my six year old stepfather a Greek tragedy on our one night of movie watching together in years. Yes, I think it was it was recorded. Uh, this movie came out in nineteen sixty five, so it's very like you know it's that it's that very classic Hollywood style, and you know it's it's we barely got telecolor in in existence, and you know some type of uh, breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, 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 Cleopatra type. So thankfully for everybody involved, it, that's it was nothing like that. It was the 2016 movie Free Fire. It's an action uh, film that takes place entirely in basically in one room. It's a a guns deal gone wrong. Uh, the movie is set place in the like mid 70s, and it stars Brie Larson, Killian Murphy, which I've been pronouncing as Cillian Murphy my whole life, but Killian Murphy, Murphy, um, Army Hammer, Charto Copley. Um, and it's really interesting because again, it takes place all in one room and, um, you know, when you have guns all around, one thing's bound to happen. It's almost like an, a, a long Tarantino joke, but it is very interesting. It's a 24. Um, so, you know, they kind of have that, I don't know, a 24 movies have a style or a, 
Um, but there's something they all share in common. They're not that everyone is similar or even in the same genre, but they all have some kind of cinematic excellence that is they're they're filmed. It's a vibe. Yeah, it they're I was about to say they're filmed. Um they might be they might have different genre, varying genres or um obviously very varying plot lines, but they do all follow the kind of high caliber cinematography that you you know comes from that studio. Right. No, they definitely have earned their uh, respect. And it ultimately was a good movie. I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's it is kind of goofy. It's a little bit like Dear Sister, the SNL skit with um uh starts with an S. Uh I'm not famous anymore. Uh Amanda Bynes? <laughs> no, he wore a paper bag over his head. I'm not famous anymore. Oh, uh, our boy Shia. Thank you. I was thinking I think Sebastian. Um so it's kind of like Dear Sister, the SNL skit with Shia LaBeouf, where it's a like kind of a parody of the OC, where you know people are on the ground and then they shoot at like different people standing up. So it's a lot of that because it's called Free Fire because obviously there's going to be a lot of gunplay, but then there's a lot of different sides. You don't know whose sides each person's on. There's different parties. Um, there was a central conflict, but that conflict doesn't matter anymore. There's a, they use the space really well, and at sometimes when you're watching it, you're like, well, it's all in one room. It's one big kind of like warehousey type like atmosphere and so it's like it's a big open space so it's like well where are they hiding who got who, who's getting shot who's shooting you know it's a little bit confusing in that way uh, or you know why are they shooting um but it, it is very fun and it, it's very engaging it's only 90 minutes if it was like if it was two hours it would honestly drag on way too long but 90 <laughs> minutes was just the right amount for that yeah i think it's interesting you said it's a tarantino joke or interpretation of and it, it does sound similar to um the hateful eight where you're stuck in a room with right. these people who are uh you know could be murderers outlaws uh bounty hunters and you just kind of like you're figuring out the story through the characters yeah definitely and, it, and it's really not plot heavy there is some kind of like there's something deeper but they don't go into like detail explaining why they were there, what happened. You just kind of figure out as it happens, which is pretty nice. Like the fact that there's no flashbacks or no like really other things going on around them. It's all you see is, you know, this direct like linear action. Uh, it, it makes it more engaging and it makes it uh, a much more fun tale to be a part of. And my family liked it. Uh, I'm giving it a 78. Sick. I thought it was good. High good is 78. Um, it's nearly great. Uh, it's on Netflix. And if you're just in for like a popcorn munchie, a shootout movie like done right. Uh, I would recommend Free Fire. Nice, dude. What about you, bro? What movie did you watch in this past month? All right, so you know uh, a guy loves his uh, critic uh, choices of the month. I've, so, I've been I've been known to to dive through the critics and uh, see what they're watching. Okay, so you're saying like high Rotten Tomato scores and stuff. I wonder what it is on the Rotten Tomatoes, but I watched in and of itself on Hulu. Do you okay. do you have any idea or have heard about it at all? No, but the title sounds kind of perplexing, so it makes me think it's something like because last month we talked about. Um, I'm thinking about ending things. I'm thinking about ending things. Uh, we talked about that last month, and I feel like in of a in and of itself has like a, a title that's kind of like. Yeah, uh, you know it's a thinker title, and so I like that makes me think that it's going to be something kind of introspective like that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Rotten Tomatoes because I just uh, flicked it up on the phone. This is an audience score of 89 percent mm-hmm. and a tomato meter of 100 percent. Wow, you do love your critics. So I guess the critics love uh, me too because um, in and of itself, it's a 
it's a very interesting I don't even know if I can call it exactly a movie because it, it it's a recording of uh Derek Delgadios uh it's a one man show and it's just a start to finish an autobiographical one man show um I don't want to it's By show you mean like it's like a stand up performance yeah, it, no it was performed in front of say, like a crowd Yes, hmm. there's there's a there's an audience. It was performed. It was like a limited, like I want to say, like it was like a hundred or like a few hundred, like somewhere in the range of like a hundred fifty to like three hundred shows in uh, just a small theater in New York City. Um, uh, and beyond that, it's like it, it, I struggle to like want to give you more because it was it was it's very thought provoking and it's, it's just like a wonderful, like one, one man show. And he's, he's so perfect in his performance and uh, also like working with the crowd and certain things that he does with the crowd that are like so incredibly interesting um, that I don't want to tell you about. I, I do, I do want this to like probably be waste capped next, next pod, but yeah. Um, in and of itself, uh, Anything more I can really give you might take take away from it, honestly. Well, see, my biggest like problem hearing this, just from what I'm hearing, I loved the BC Boy story, the movie that came out last year. But basically, it's just a recording of their performance of like the book, essentially. And for me, that was like hard to like. I, I really liked it, and I love their retelling. But saying like talking in front of a stage took away from maybe a, a just a pure documentary you know what i mean so if you're saying this is autobiographical that makes me think you know it's a little documentary ish is is performing in front of a live audience gonna take away from it N- not at all because not only does he involve so much with the audience um gives them a huge amount of power in his performance um, but it's also shot uh much more uh much more thought out for not just a theater performance but also where it lives on hulu um, so there's many shots where it's, uh, I, I want to say recorded outside of a, of, of the performance where it's just him and, and the stage and the camera for certain camera work. Um, right. I, I'm sure it's like, um, again, you haven't seen Hamilton, but the Hamilton performance that's on Disney plus it splices together like three or four performances. One performance that was entirely done on stage. Another one was done with like a group. And then the last one was done like from a Eagle's eye view and, and splices them all together. Yeah. So it, I want to say it's similar because like I said, I haven't se- like, like you said, I haven't seen Hamilton, but there's, there's shots that are down on the stage and uh, more like over the shoulder of his shots and, you know, close-ups of him. But also he goes through, uh, I think it was like six points that are part of this autobi- autobiographical story. And each one has like either, one had like small home video, one had a specific type of animation with it. So it's all, um, it's very, it is a multimedia project and it okay, lives cool. from theater to streaming service. Cool. What did you rate it? Um, rating, we're going to give it a 87. That's great. So as it, as it is, as it sits, it's, it's such an entertaining, um, it sounds like an experience. Yeah, it's such an entertaining feat of what he does in this show. Um, it entertained me, but it is it did also put my girlfriend to sleep on the couch next to me because <laughs> the, the runtime is long. The it is there's a huge build, and it, if if you're not uh, if you don't invest the time in it, you're not going to get get back from it. 
if, is, is sort of the take from it. So that's why it kind of sits around this mid 80, 87 score. I like it. Waste cap it for me, brother. Yeah, don't tell me what to do. Well, I guess we'll just have to move on. That's what I imagine it sounds like. I, I, I haven't picked out the sounds yet, but I, I imagine it'll sound like that. It sounded great. All right, I'm going to be talking about a little show that was not so little come award season this year. Uh, it is on Apple Plus. I watched it on a Plex server that I share with some other people. It is known as Ted Lasso. It stars Jason Sudeikis and a bunch of other actors I've never heard of or seen before. However, they make for the uh, SAG Award winning best ensemble in a comedy series for uh, 2020. I think I've seen the poster for this. So Ted Lasso is based off of a commercial, NBC Sports commercial, that was ran in 2014, and it was just a joke. Um, Jason Sudeikis played the character named Ted Lasso, who had been hired as the new um, manager for the Premier League team Tottenham. And the whole entire commercial was advertising, NBC Sports now has Premier League games on it. That's it. That's all it was advertising. Oh. And it was just a funny way of being like, hey, I'm, I'm from Wichita State, Kansas. I don't know a darn thing about uh, what's going on over there, uh, going over here in uh, the Premier League. But I'm here to coach the team, and I'll, I'll root and tune, and I'll do it the most. And, you know, whoever scores the most after four quarters, I mean, that's all that matters. And they interrupt him. It's two halves. Well, whoever scores the most over two halves, you know, uh, that, that's who's going to be the winner. You know, very basic rudimentary level. Yeah, I think I've seen that ad, and then I've also seen the other ads that have come through amazon right apple play okay yeah apple plus um basically the show takes that little premise and just runs with it 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 takes that idea of that he's a small town uh, hick from uh you know the the midwest and uh midwest is it's kansas midwest i don't think so the south what is kansas Kansas is the the plains the the, kansas is the east west Okay. Kansas City, Kansas? no, yeah, Midwest. You could say Midwest. I would say I, Midwest. No, people don't. People call like Minnesota the Midwest, and Minnesota, like Chicago. Yeah, and Isn't then that Midwest, and then two states down is Kansas. Okay, so the Midwest, Kansas. He's he's a little podunk guy, and he gets actually hired to be the manager as part of like you learned so on the first episode as a sabotage plan, and so he oh. is trying to ruin the team essentially because that's what the owner wants. However, he has got a lot of heart, and for Jason Sudeikis, I feel like this is a performance of a lifetime for him because he's never played a likable character. Like even if he's like the protagonist, he's still like a jerk or an asshole. But he's actually playing like a really likable, good guy who has a lot of dilemmas that he's going through, and, and like his actions are justifiable and understood and you really feel for him. And so the way he coaches is just so pure. It's the way that you would want any, any of your children, if you had Ted Lasso as a coach for your children, you would know they're in good hands. And so the way he plays that character is so smart. The writing is so good for it. And I'm just barely getting into premier league, um, sports as of like the past two years, basically. And so it's fun to hear like a lot of these different terms that I'm kind of getting used to. And, and I'm learning a little bit more about soccer, but even if you know nothing about the sport of soccer, uh, I think you can still really enjoy this because they're not focusing so much on the sport. They're focusing more on the relationships. 
the players, like the dynamic. If you're familiar with professional sports at all, you'll know. Oh, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a, a player on the team who's a know-it-all and, and you know is gonna be selfish and they have a lot of those archetypes. You know, they have the veteran who's kind of over the hill but doesn't want to admit it. You know, and they come together and it makes a really compelling story. And it's season two's already on its way, but season one was so much fun and I'm very glad I got to watch it. Would you rate it? I'm giving Ted Lasso a 95 out of 100. I think it's an absolute masterpiece of a comedy series because it combines like this really witty humor with like some really special heartfelt moments and the whole entire crew comes together for a really awesome story and it's definitely the best thing to come out of 2020 uh, in the world of tv so i would definitely recommend get your hands on it however you can sounds great dude i I love a good heartwarming sports story right that's always that's always a classic in the in the film and tv industry yeah, and this is definitely, like, the, it's hard to make a good sports TV series. Like, it really is. Sports movies, a lot easier. Sports TV series, it's hard to, like, be engaging, like, outside, like, Friday Night Lights or something. But right, I think you'll really like it. Nice, dude. All right, bro, what television did you watch? Um, So, you know, right back into the critics' pockets. We're going to run with zero, zero, zero. Uh, is that Spanish? I want to... I think... Uh, I think it's I think it's all three languages. So um, this is based off of the drug trade, and it gives you uh, three perspectives of the drug trade. So the people buying the drugs in Europe, Italy, um, the people, uh, I guess you could say, transporting the drugs, the 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 middlemen in New Orleans, uh, Port Africa's the the transporters, and then three the sellers in Mexico. So I think. All three of those languages, zero is zero. Yeah. Uh, Mexico is cero. cero. And then Italian's got to be similar, right? Yeah. Italian's probably like zero. Yeah. Um, so I caught this on uh, Amazon. Um, I wanted to try to find it, but I think I heard somewhere that Amazon spent like like somewhere like around $160 million on this show. Zero. That's how you zero, say zero, zero. That's how you, yeah, I think if you say it fast enough, you'll be able to knock them all out. Uh, they spent a lot of money on the show. Go ahead. Sorry yeah, for like, a, like, uh, like $160 million on this show, and each episode is runs like an hour and 20 minutes. So it, it is like watching like <laughs> a serious like drug or crime or like uh, it, like so close to Sicario. Did you ever watch? Did you ever watch that? When it was Sicario? Yeah, you yeah. got to roll it. You got to roll it. Denis Villeneuve, Sicario. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, um, with our with our boy. Daniel Kaluuya. Other boy. Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. Um, so yeah, you think you think of that um, uh, highly uh, uh, thrilling part of this like drug trade per se, and uh, and especially telling it from like three perspectives that. Um, are tweaked in just like the slightest way that they're very original stories. It's so interesting how this show like has made me uh, like 100% feel bad for and empathize with the villains. Um, And then on the same turn, like the guys that are technically trying to do good and sort of throw wrenches in this um, multi-million dollar drug trade, um, I actually like completely hate them as characters. And it's, it's so interesting in the way that this uh like you you seriously empathize with certain straight up 
uh, uh, drug mules and drug traders. Right. Because I think this really matters with your perspective, right? Like your, your, the way you view the actions kind of changes the way you're viewing the characters. So if you kind of understand their motives behind it, then that's why you're sympathizing. I think a little bit more with the enemies. Yeah, exactly. When you, when you tell it from, um, like you said, this, this certain perspective, you really just like, Oh, like, man, like I feel bad for, like, I feel for this guy. He's just trying to, you know, in, in one instance, he's picking up the business from his, uh, recently deceased father and like it, the business ha- happens to be drug trade so it's like you feel for the guy that he's like um he's he's seriously going through something while also being uh this high level drug mule very cool man what rating did you give zero 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 this one's gonna be the crazy 88 it's it's nice. so it's it's extremely well shot um let me give this specific actor's name because i do really appreciate him um, Dane DeHaan. Oh, I love Dane DeHaan. Yeah, Dane DeHaan. Um, and then a bunch, a few other people, you know, we got Giuseppe Di Domencio. Well, Giuseppe, who can Giuseppe. Forget? Yeah, I wonder where he's from. Um, <laughs> Harold Torres. So they're, they're, they're somewhat, uh, besides, uh, Dane DeHaan, there's some seriously good performances from some unknown actors and especially international actors, which is always fun to see. Yeah, Gabriel Byrne is one of my favorites. He's from The Usual Suspects and Hereditary. Yeah. And he does great. Miller's Crossing. So, yeah, no, I'm, I definitely want to check this out. Yeah, definitely a good watch. And it's like, it's some like eight episodes. But like I said, they're like an hour long. Um, so it's it hits that wall again. Like if you don't have the time or the energy to invest in it, then it's going to not pay back. But if you have that time and you want to watch like a serious serious thriller... It's a great, great show to watch. Cool. Crazy. Oh! Spinning back It is all over! Wow! Wow! Just like that! And that is the sports cue for me to start talking about sports. And was that a was that a home run? I think it was a goal. Was that a, was that a, a, a hockey hat trick? A big old just air horn blowing your brains out? I think it was a slam dunk. Might have been. You know, it's going to be slam dunk this segment right here, talking about sports. Um, I'm going to be talking about one of the sports I played while I was in Fort Myers, Florida. So out on the beach, you have very limited amount of things that you can play um, because you're on the water uh, and uh, there's not a lot of things to do. I feel like, I don't know. I'm not a big beach guy. I was out there for a little bit and I was like, eh. You don't sound like a beach guy to me. Yeah. I had sunscreen all over my body. I was like, I hope I don't get burned. I'm still in the shade, but I feel like I'm still going to get burned. I'm I can tell by your skin you're not a beach guy. Very white. Very white. If you've never seen a, a picture of me before or met me in real life. Um, I'll be in the description. <laughs> yes. You check the show notes. You can uh, find a picture of my face smiling. <laughs> um, no. So... Uh, you know, we we threw around the pigskin, whatever. You know, playing catch was fun or whatever. But then we got the big guns out. Mike has his own um, set for cornhole, which is the I think really the ultimate beach sport outside outside of like bocce ball, which I think is great. But you probably should be played in a pit. Like it should be played somewhere a little bit more like confined. Yeah, I have an affirmation for beach volleyball. Because beach it's, volleyball, it's yeah. more more difficult yeah. than uh, some would say like a big team uh, indoor volleyball, but. Yeah, it's their own. I say beach volleyball is better than cornhole. So the second best beach sport is cornhole. It's also a great backyard what, sport. Without, without a doubt, cornhole's cornhole's the 
is is the is the go to like you know big cookout you know hanging out at the beach it, it travels easily throw it right. throw it in the back of your truck my stepfather called it throwing sack and he would ask people you want to throw some sack and i don't i don't hate that i said okay we will throw sack mike and uh basically i am abysmal at it um i we played uh partners right you play doubles um and then that way people never have to you know old men because really it's an old man sport too old men don't have to actually walk anywhere uh, they can just stand at their True. ends and so you throw to your partner and your partner throws back and so that's kind of why you play doubles otherwise True. Um, you know it might there's be been there's been many of outdoor bar scenarios where i'm like hey I, I see the giant Jenga. I see the ping pong tables. I see the giant Connect Four. <laughs> Is it the comically large Connect the com- Four? Yeah, the comically large Connect Four. And then, you know, maybe you're at Gold Spike and you see the, the garbage pails and soccer ping pong. You know, like just everything's comically large. Mm-hmm. But, but Cornhole, it's not comic. It's not comedy at all. Cornhole, <laughs> Cornhole's the game to play when you're outside drinking fruit brewskis. See, I did, yeah, everyone was drinking but me because I don't, I don't drink alcohol. But I didn't realize the way the scoring works in cornhole. So you get one point if it's on the deck, and then you get three points if it's in the hole. However, in each specific round of how many ever sacks you had, we had four, and whatever your opponent scores cancels yours out. So if I get two in the hole, and he gets two in the hole, it's zero points for that entire round. So nobody scores anything. Uh, that's how we were playing it, at least. I don't know if that's official tournament rules. Um, if you've ever been in a, in a cornhole tournament, I apologize for playing the wrong rules if they are. Uh, but so basically, that's how it, the game basically lasts a lot longer that way. It's not because we're playing first right. 21, but you're you're basically you're just trying to get the leg up on your opponent. Yeah, you're trying to it, it is because it's it's like you're playing doubles. It's tit for tat. So it's like, oh, I, I need to score this to cancel them out. And then I got this uh, extra bag in my hand. I got to do something with it. So I was abysmal, just really, really bad. Eventually, I kind of got the hang of like the the weight and the power of it, but I just had never played before. And these guys have played many times because they're right. you know sixty, late fifties. There's there's a threshold of throwing sack where it's like oh you've you've you're throwing sack and you've thrown sack. You know what I'm saying? You've seen a th- a few sack thrown in your days. Exactly. I, I would also like to say uh, you apologized if anyone um, has been in a cornhole ton- tournament. I'll also apologize if you've ever been in a cornhole tournament. That just sounds awful for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Find a new hobby. Yeah. Um, so, so here's the story. I I was playing uh, two on two uh, against my stepfather and his like partner, like his best friend in the whole world, and like they are the dynamic duo. So they're oh yeah, they're big. They're sack lovers for sure. And they, you know, are hands down the favorites. And I'm playing with a guy I just met. His name is Mike McCarthy. And I, I, I didn't know him at all. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, we're going to lose, no doubt. But whatever. Because I'm awful. And so we start going and I realize, oh, he is the best sack thrower in this entire place. And Mike is. Uh, Mike McCarthy, my partner. M- McCarthy is. Yeah. And so my partner is like just nailing, like doing, doing great. And I, thankfully, I'm with I'm my side is a guy who's also this, he's the third out of the four of us. He's number three, so he wasn't he wasn't great, but he was definitely better than me. So there's there's a weak there's a weak sideboard and a strong sideboard, right? And the strong sideboard was wild to watch. Like they went, there was one time where you know it was like they're both mics, so the two mics were going back and forth, landing on the board. It was like my mic, 
their mic, my mic, their mic. And they eat, all four of them land on the board. So it was four. It, we had eight sacks on the cornhole board, equaling zero e- points. Equaling, equaling <laughs> right. Complete as if they never hit the board at all. Right. And all the in all the excitement of the of the sporting world, there's eight sacks on the board and no one scored a point. <laughs> and we absolutely do not progress at all as a team. However, um, we, the game came down the line. I only scored a few points this entire game, but I've sometimes I've canceled out some of his points, like <laughs> helping us out a little bit. Uh, I had, I mean, you're doing work, man. Right. That's that's all. That's all the sack asks. I I had not gotten a sack in the hole yet, um, but that was my goal. And it was as it was game point. I think we were scored at what um, it must have been 18. And uh, I mean, I really was just trying to score points for my team. That's all I was trying to do. I had two sacks left. Um, I throw one sack in, uh, and uh, and what do you know? It, it, after Mike McCarthy has been complaining, give me something. The entire time he said, just give me something, Holden. Anything. Give me something. He's like, come on. I need Because he's been sc- – the previous 18 points had been scored all by him, basically. Right. It was all I, him. Yeah, I love that, that opposite, like the two spectrums of encouragement. There's like, hey, man, you're doing great out there. Just uh, we need you to, to get – to work out a little harder. And then the other end is just like – you're really holding me down out here, man. Yeah. Like, uh, just show me, show me you're you're an, a capable human being. Right. He said anything, and I I tried to make the joke. I'm like, well, I'm only uh, 24 years old. Like, I can't. I, I I'm I don't. This this sport, you're only good at this sport when, when you're like above 40. So like, I, plus 40. Yeah. That's yeah. when that's when the sack really speaks to you. Right. And uh, so so it's it's it is that match point, and I finally get my first sack in the hole, and I I give us that 21 points. However, he can cancel out those points. He had one more sack. He lands off the board. I have one more sack, and I just chuck it at him because if I get it on the board, then we go over twenty-one, and then you have to reset points. I don't know. Again, right? You you, th- you throw it away. <laughs> I just threw it away. He caught it, and it was a good like hell yeah, let's go, Holden. Good job. He's a smoker, as if you can't tell. Good job, let's go, bro. Yeah, you gave me something, man. You put your heart on the line. That's what I'm talking about. Sacrifice the body, teamwork. Yeah, and then it's just uh, t-shirts filled with bean bags and uh, a couple plywood boards that they're yelling over. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, it was a good moment though. Like for someone who was like abysmal pretty much the entire time. Like I was way overthrowing it, or it was like way to the left. Like I, I did try, I did change up my throwing way like three or four different times. Like I was going overhand, underhand. I was like way to the left of the board. I was like eyes closed. So like I was trying anything to get him points. And yeah, I almost equate it to um, bowling. Like everyone can go and th- roll a ball down a lane, right? But there's a certain technique to actually be able to control uh, a bowling ball or i.e. a beanbag. Like there's there's a throw and then there's not a good throw. Like you can tell once you start and you're not throwing sack. It was some good sack throwing. Uh, nonetheless, the sport kind of is um, abysmal to me. <laughs> I, I'm giving the whole experience a 72 out of 100. If we would have lost, it would have been like in the 50s. But because I Easily. because I'm clutch and I hit the game winning uh, buzzer beater shot uh, to put my team in the W to make it to actually beat my stepfather, uh, it was a good it was a good feeling for me and I can yeah. and I can like retire knowing. Hence time. Hence time. It was hence time. I activated hence time, and um, we got the W. And now I never have to play again because I can just. You you're know. you're one and zero. You're undefeated right. in cornhole. Right. I I can retire happy. Die a happy man. Awesome. All right, bro. Now, now it's time to talk about funny business to a funnily ran business. Yes. So, 
I had there's a funny um I didn't realize uh Triller started this way and it was just the uh it was supposed to be like this hip hop versus type of tune in on Instagram type thing. Like that's how that was the birth of it is um Timberland, the the music producer. Justin? Yeah. Justin Timberland. Um <laughs> No, but he he there he was he had this thing on Instagram that was basically like uh you versus the, him as a DJ versus another DJ and people were live rapping over live beats and it was like a versus um that's the beginning of Triller. And but now we're we're watching fights on Triller and it, it's it's linked to this uh you know adult rated uh fighting league with hip hop artists and Snoop Dogg smoking weed live on air. Yep. Uh so we're going to be talking about the Triller event uh, known as Askren versus Paul. Yes, as we talked about the previous Triller event um Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Uh, the thing that separates these two for me is, well, for starters, I guess I was laying in bed in Florida and because we'd already had a long day and I was like, okay, let me turn it on. I turned it on basically right at the beginning and I hadn't realized, I was like, okay, I, I really just want to watch the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren fight because um, I was like, oh, Ben Askren should have a chance here. Uh, he's an MMA fighter. Like I've seen him actually knock someone out before in the MMA. Like he, he has a knockout. Like even though he's known as a wrestler, he has a knockout in his career. So I'm like, okay, this would be a real challenge for Jake Paul, who is just uh, representing all YouTubers, as he's claimed. Um, so that's why that's why I tuned into it, laying in bed. Um, and then I realized uh, what I got was a... I think a, Ben Askren was like 19 and 7 or something like that. Oh, he was 18 and 2. Yeah, his MMA career was 18 and 2. Like he, he When he only, retired? When he when he fought Jake Paul, his MMA is eighteen and two. Oh. Yeah, he's only lost like he literally had that bad lose against Jorge and one loss before that. Like he he's out wrestled everyone, but that's because wrestling's a whole different game. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a it's a effective skill as far as MMA goes. Don't mistake me for saying uh, nineteen and seven. He that's a much different he, record. He didn't lose very often. Um, nonetheless. What I got from this experience was a very just like you've been kind of explaining the the birth of Triller. It was a it was music videos, kind of with a live audience. So it was kind of like live music, but at some point it felt like music videos or bad music videos. Even I would say even more distance than um, music videos mixed with this sort of fight night type of or it's like it's like VMA performances. Like it's not yeah, I guess exactly so. like. You know, uh, they were pre-recorded. I don't know the majority of them. I don't know because one of them in in the Swedi Sawidi, that's her name, in her performance, Doja Cat forgot her lines, and I feel like if that was pre-recorded, they would have just re-recorded it. Like she she gets to her one of her verses because she's singing live, where Sawidi's just mouth mm. syncing to her music, but Doja gets her her part and she goes and la ba dum and then she jumps right back into it like she you clear she took she took a beat to regain her like self and then she's right. going and so that's why mm-hmm. I, I i've heard mixed things on that too because justin bieber performed and uh i wondered if he in his contract wanted it to be recorded live or True. not like i yeah. don't know um he he was he had a he did have something that was recorded previously his like arrival was recorded like him walking out of like a big like truck like they opened up like the bottom of a truck and like he walked out and and he had like a little promo thing before he went on um where he was talking to snoop but basically snoop can bring anyone in and so he has a lot of 
friends in the music and industry. Pull, yeah, right. A lot of pull because he's like the OG. And so if he's backing Triller, I think a lot of people will follow. Just like Marshawn Lynch and the uh, fan-controlled football league, he's got right. a lot of pull because a lot of people have respect for him. Yeah, and it's even beyond like, hey, can you do this you know, favor for Snoop? It's like, oh, yeah, you're performing. Like, you're going to get paid. There's, right. a lot of, there's a lot of money running through Triller, at least now. There's no way they're making money on this. You Like, like she, Steph asked me while we were laying there watching JB. I'm not a huge fan, but he performed some song I never heard, and I was like, ah, it's okay. But, yeah, like... Peaches out in Georgia... Yeah, what uh, yeah. what do you think is the bottom threshold that he would say yes to? Like, I I, I thought he had to be paid at least a million. Okay, so uh, I think majority of these artists, it's going to be uh, tightly um, skewed because of the pandemic. Um, so I think that dropped a lot of numbers, like way, way, way lower. Right. Um, the, the, but that being said, they have if you know. F- just a fighter is getting how much did they get paid like easily a million each well yeah ben Askren, i think made a million off that fight that was like the easiest million he's ever made in his life so if they can throw that at a 40 second fight you know uh they have to be able to throw at least half to like i would plus 700 you know they're definitely losing money on this there's no way they're making money they are losing money on it but i think they're they're it's it's like it's an investment thing because um, they had, uh, I want to say they, they had more, uh, opening. They didn't have like sponsors, sponsors, you can say, but they, they're, you could see them piecing together the idea of like, you know, sp- you know, you could have a, like, just like the UFC, there's a banner across the bottom of the UFC. There's going to be a banner across thriller with your ad on it. I think that's more of what they're selling rather than like. Uh, we got to do this promotion and do this and this and that to um, get more money flowing through the, through the door. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, no. It's the same with why they would, you know, Snoop can bring these artists on, not exactly for free, but for at least a lower price than it would be like, you'd say like a VMA performance. It was an interesting uh, experience because it was in between each um, boxing match and sometimes there was a slap fighting match. Uh, like, I love slap fighting. It, it's wild. It is absolutely wild. Uh, and uh, Pete Davidson was there, uh, like stirring the pot. Yeah, I think he added uh, a lot as far as host goes because the previous it was kind of just like so whatever. and so. Yeah, it was. I mean, Israel Adesanya didn't do a bad job, but he didn't have that kind of energy. Yeah, he's when not a was, yeah performer Pete, like that. Yeah, Pete being a comedian, like when him him doing. Uh, interviews or just you know speaking freely to the camera because like clearly he had no there's no real filter on him it was it was, it was a adult rated show so he can just spit and say whatever um and then in turn like because obviously some of the other segments were pre-recorded in between the fights they chopped up pete davison's you know interviews and stuff like that and it's like oh these are great these are right. these are pretty funny it was hilarious because he went into uh jake paul's room and acted like he was a big Jake Paul supporter and said, oh, Ben Askren's just a complete, like... Uh, ben Askren's a bum. He's, he's such a, bum. a <laughs> old and fat idiot. Right. And so he went in there with... Um, it was him and Jack Harlow walked into Jake Paul's room and they they were like, oh, what's up, bro? What's up? And he's like, nah, nah. And he's like, what's... You know, you know Ben Askren sucks, man. Oh, I can't stand him. And then the <laughs> a fight happens and they cut to him going to Ben Askren's room uh, this is like moments before the fight, and, he, and he's like, "Hey, what's this beef that you're starting with me?" He's like, "No, no, I was totally joking. Like, 
like Jake Paul like had like 12 bodyguards around him. Like, of course I got to say he's the best. Like, dude, we, we, we all hate him. We're all on your side, Ben. Like we need you to knock him out. (laughs) I I loved it so much. It was, it was just good comedy. You know what I mean? Like, and the fact that he's like in there with Ben Askren, he's like, there's, he's, he's standing with his team and none of them know how to speak to a human being. Like it, it, and it's like, you could see it and it's so relatable to like say that about Jake Paul. He's, he's, he operates so far from, from like real human interaction. It's all just like a transaction between him and his team. So it's like, it, it makes total sense. Yeah. It was fun. Ric Flair was there. Um, we had uh Mount Westmore, which is E 40 too short Snoop and ice cube. Oh yeah. I just to touch on some of the performances There's so many, but I really, uh, did you see the black keys? I tuned in right after that one ended. Man, the, the black keys killed it. Um, we saw a few verses from, a few songs from Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube, which is which is sick, dude. Which is crazy. Like seeing Ice Cube like kind of thugged out. Like after like seeing him, yeah. like uh, like uh, are we there yet? That's like that's all I got stuck in my head of like modern day Ice Cube. But now seeing him like kind of go back to his roots, like oh, yeah. like pushing fifty, like going back to his roots. I'm like, oh, right. dude, classic like like bandana and then right. hat. Like it was it was classic. It was very a classic Ice Cube, and it was the. Uh, um, like the the hypersexual Ice Cube song, I was like, I was I was in with it, dude. I was like, I I did kind of think to myself, I'm like, man, these songs are not aging well. Like, I think no, give it give yeah, it another like, like a, ten years, it's people are gonna be like, should we still play this? Yeah, and it's like you think about it, it's like uh, he's a that song was written when he was like a a rap rock star, and now he's just like a family man, like <laughs> right, right. He's in got his, kids. his upper fifties. Yeah, it's like one, one wife. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 it's not super. Really, Super awkward, but I love the performance and right. It you know, was fun. Performances all in all were great. I think what they're lacking now is like, uh, I didn't, I didn't really care to see Ben Askren fight Jake Paul, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there was. Some I, other- think, I think the, the event itself had, uh, you know, fun to it, but. And I actually listened to the Dan Lebertard show the next day, and uh, Mike Ryan on it. He's one of the producers. He loved it. He was going on. He's like. I will pay 60 bucks for that again. I'll pay 60 bucks for any fighting event if they have Justin Bieber singing at it or having, uh, you know, Ice Cube rapping at it. You know, he loved that it was kind of a, a cultural experience. And I guess the idea behind it is uh, boxing is an old man sport. People don't want to watch boxing anymore. So now we're making it more accessible to the youth. I mean, bringing in Jake Paul, half the people hate him, half the people love him. And so bringing in those kind of names. Yeah, I didn't really, I wish he fought someone a little bit well, I, th- I honestly thought Ben Askren had a chance. Obviously, he got knocked out in the first round, so he had no chance. I didn't I, realize his stand-up was so bad, but he also, I don't think, cared. He looked like he was, like, 50 pounds he overweight. Made, he made money. It doesn't really matter at the end. Of right. It. It doesn't, the decision doesn't matter now because he made a ton of money. But I think I heard it put this way, and I feel the same, is I wanted Ben Askren to win. I would have never put money on Ben Askren. Right. Never in my life would I have put right. money on Ben Askren in that fight. Yeah, yeah, it it was it was a mess, but we'll see. We'll watch the next one again. We're watching it for free. Like we're finding like free streams. Not paying for that. We're not paying sixty bucks for that. But the people who did pay sixty bucks felt like they got their money's worth. And I'm I if if I was having like a group meeting with some friends and stuff, like I w- I would put that on. I feel like that's yeah, a good absolutely. That's a good group just, setting. Just the know? same way you would you know you would pay per view a a UFC, steal it. And then, you know, have chips and dips and have a few friends and we laugh and we watch the commercials and we watch the fights like it's it's super fun. Same exact formula, except, you know, you might catch like an artist you really like. I caught two artists that I really like three, maybe Um, other than that, like that's a 70 man. Like it's a formula that I could see can be a good, you know, 
similar to those big sporting events type of, you know, weekend, have people over, eat chips and dip. Yeah, I think that's where this will survive. Uh, I agree with 70. I would definitely raise it the number if I was not laying in bed with my phone close to my face uh, waiting for the fight to happen for three hours. Um, and also talented fighters, let's be honest. That's true. There, there was some bad fights, and there was actually two really good fighters. Yes. Like real real boxers, like top-of-the-line boxers fighting, and in between it's like some of this trash and like washed-up MMA fighter like Frank Mir. DJs and multimillionaires fighting, so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really, really goofy, but it was it was fun. It was fun. As far as the production side, I love the music. I love the host, which is... It's better to say than like going to a UFC event where it's like a, a, everything, nothing matters except for the few minutes that people are fighting. Right, right. Because like listening to like a, a, a stoned as hell uh, Oscar De La Hoya, that was hilarious. That was great. Just he was just so high, and just like going on, going on, he was convinced someone was from the USSR. <laughs> kept on yelling it out, even though both fighters I think were American. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was like a. a african-american guy from like from the he was part of the u.s navy that's why his his nickname had u.s in it uh, uh, uss yeah and then yes. oscar Dale was like ussr and it's like bringing in soviet russia yeah it was, it was it was classic but not to get stuck on it go ahead and move on out of here Ching ching ching. Nani? Oima. That, as we all know from hearing it one time, is. That's what anime sounds like. Is, is the cue for anime. Uh, I, I am going to talk about a new series that I uh, was on my radar for a while. Um, it was on my radar before it started airing because I have recently got into. I built my own skateboard, as I talked about, I think, on last episode. Um, and been kind of dinking around with it. I'm not uh, very good at it whatsoever, but I'm getting more knowledge into the minutia of uh, different kind of uh, verbiage and different kind of fun things. So the fact that they're coming out with a new skateboarding anime uh, kind of got me excited, and uh, one of, a couple of my coworkers as well were watching it, and so we got to talk about it a little bit, and it is called Skate the Infinity, and it is an interesting premise of a, um, a skater in Japan who has a uh, transfer student from Canada uh, who is a snowboarder. He had never skateboarded, though. So Sick. He was transitioning from snowboarding to skateboarding. And because the uh, the skateboard did not have, like, foot grips for him, he just couldn't get it. He couldn't grasp it. He kept falling off his board or whatever. He was really bad. But once he was kind of able to realize how they're similar, uh, kind of understand balance, he was able to really naturally pick it up and then just get super good. And so... It's a little bit about that relationship, but it's a lot about um, a kind of underground race that kind of happens like after, at nighttime, like hidden from all cops, known as S, just the letter S, and it's like a downhill race, and like, no, there's no rules, it's a little bit like a fight club, you can do whatever you want, you can push, you can shove, um, but it's an interesting show because of the characters, obviously, it doesn't survive without good characters, um, a lot of really good supporting cast of like to pipe like pump up the main protagonist and it's a lot of fun just watching people skate turns out anime skateboarding works like it, it totally is real interesting to watch and it's a, a lot of fun and it's not too over the top it's not like people are doing like special tricks that like break the board in half and reattach them you know there is some like definitely anime liberties that are taken but 
uh, for the most part, it's pretty grounded in realism, which makes it a lot of fun. Right. Coming from a, coming from a, a sort of a skateboarding background, it sounds freaking sick, dude. Um, this floated around our discord when you're recommending it to my little brother and I for sure just, just in immediately like, oh, I kind of want to watch this really bad. Um, but of course saved myself so I can, uh, give you, uh, the, the noob feedback of that all sounds really interesting. So I'm giving it a 77 out of a hundred. And the reason why it's not higher is because I feel like the show kind of peters off at the end. It's good. And like I said, it's very fun to watch, but as the end kind of comes up, um, there's a lot of self-loathing that I feel like comes into the story. Uh, it kind of just loses its momentum and just feels more just whiny as a whole tale. And then it's also, I, I was on, um, my anime list.com or Mal's it's commonly known. And one of the questions that was asked in one of the, the threads is, uh, is this queer bait? And I had never heard of that term before, but I thought that was interesting. And there was a serious discussion from a lot of people saying, well, in common sports anime, it's it, it, this is not a boys love anime by any means. You know, BL is it they're known, but all of the characters are male, and all of them are friendly, and sometimes overly friendly. But there is no um, there's no relationship going on between any of them. There's no kissing between any of them. But it definitely feels like oh, we hear you like um, stories with uh, a, a group of boys who are interested in each other and romantically invest in each other. Oh, this is how we'll draw you in. That's what they mean by the bait. But ultimately, there is no payoff for anyone who thinks that's a story. The The kind of verdict of the replies to, to the question is, uh, you know, this is what we expect. You know, it, it didn't seem like anyone was too upset about it. But me watching it, I just felt like, uh, I, I don't know. They felt like they were trying to tonally say one thing and they got so close to that one thing, but never actually achieved that thing. And that, and that was you, your interpretation before reading this, uh, question on yes. my anime list. See, I've had that thought independently. And then I looked through the threads and I was seeing if anyone was, was saying similar things and, and yeah, basically it, it confirmed that theory and not that there's anything wrong with boys love anime. I'm, I'm totally fine with them. Um, I, I think ultimately it just was tonally, it, it felt too all over the place. It's like, was it going for this? Was it trying to say, oh, these characters are interested in each other or is it not? Like it just like, it just, it never confirmed in the series. Right. And it, there's going to be a second season and who knows where that'll go. But ultimately I just felt like it, it never made a statement of what it was. And even the antagonist of the whole story was just really creepy and overbearing and like that's the point of his character or whatever but I just felt like even once they explained it I just felt like he was never justified in his actions and just kind of came off way too gross mm. and so there those those are the negative things right but the animation's really good it's a really fun tale and it's only 12 episodes so it's worth a watch if you like skateboarding at all if you have no interest in skateboarding I don't think it's for you but if you like skateboarding at all it's totally worth a watch that's super interesting I never thought of I thought I never just really thought of like sports animes being uh in in that realm of like i don't know trying to push a certain narrative yeah narrative this way or that way i felt i don't know if i've ever witnessed it but then again i've only like watched a handful so apparently this comes from the same guy who um or the same group of, of people who did the swimming anime um it was like free swim like a water polo one or is it like um 
Olympic racing. So the anime is called Free. It's a competitive swimming anime, and it's just it's all about uh, a men's like swimming club competition, and so that's why there's all men, and they're like super close together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're in water, but it's also like well, if you you just don't have it. A typical boys love anime is there is no female pr- protagonist. It's all men. It's right. all boys, you know, around a, the same age. What a great excuse to just draw shirtless men. Right, right. And then that's what, that's what the <laughs> swimming is. All the guys have their shirts off. And so that's why it's like, well, that's just kind of uh, what these, that's what he does. So I'm, it's that's like, fine. Yeah. It, it just for me, it just, just totally just doesn't, didn't feel consistent enough. Didn't feel consistent enough. I think I would, I think in a sense, like I would, I would love to relate to the sport of skateboarding, but I don't know if I, if I really, yeah, I, I can't, I can't really relate to that. But I mean, yeah, I think yeah. you'll still enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it would get get in the way of me enjoying it. But no, it sounds great. All right, bro. What anime are you going to talk about on this month of how to waste your time? So, in the same sense, uh, there is no theory. Um, this show is Echi Ichi. It's an etchy. Yeah, I I, Yikes. I I dove into it, dude. I I kind of just uh, there's there's some months where I'm like, I need to find something new. Um, you know, give me the uh, give me the 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 top ten anime list of this this you know this last six months. You know, that's usually what I do to find something new in the anime verse. Should we explain what etchy is first? Um, sl- yeah, we definitely should. <laughs> It, it, it's funny because it, it it almost like it it relates in the same way that that show did, but in the total opposite direction. Okay, okay. So an etchy is basically like really over sexualized um, humans, male or female, and um, it's it's not quite uh, the Japanese term for a Japanese porn is hentai. So it's not quite crossing over into actual. Japanese porn but it's really getting into that fine line yeah how close how close can you sexualize an anime without having to censor it right like one of the most famous etchies about like women who fight each other and instead of like um dying kill a kill kill kill, yeah I, I was gonna say there's there's one where it's like they don't die but they lose clothing and then once they're completely basically naked but yeah. still have enough to cover the majority so it's not porn so yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, the but the real reason though is I know Kill a Kill is a good show. It's a great show. Um, yeah, it's a good anime. Um, but that still falls under the same category. Food Wars. I've seen multiple episodes of Food Wars, and that falls in the same category. There's there's very clear scenes of over uh, sexualized sexualization, um, but this I would not say falls in the category of a good show. Um, this is, I don't want to butcher the, uh, Japanese name, but the, uh, uh, the Americanized translated name is interspecies reviewers. I'm so surprised you watched this. This looks too, like trash. <laughs> me too, dude. I, I'll be honest with you. Me too. I, I had a, I had a low moment. All right. There's, <laughs> there was a low moment of, I'll, 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 this is how the sausage is made. I'll peek behind the curtain for a second. Um, I think. Either. Like sausage shouldn't have been the the term used yeah. there. It wasn't in your endo until it was in your end. But um, I guess sort of next month I kind of want to. I've been playing with like reading Berserk and watching Berserk in all of its forms, and that's kind of long. So it's like I didn't really have much time to get to that. 
So it's like, okay, give me something quick. Give me a 12 episode EG that I can rate 50 uh, out of 100. <laughs> and I watched six episodes and I was just really not entertained by it. Um, but yeah, like like the like the name goes by, it's, it's a group of um, travelers or w- warrior travelers that uh, uh, make their rounds around the realm. It's, it's sort of based in fantasy. Um, they make their rounds in realms, visiting uh, different brothels and reviewing the brothels and posting them at their favorite bar, basically. And they're making money through uh, selling these reviews of certain brothels. And each brothel, brothel um, uh, is usually typically a different species of uh, being. And did you did you make it the full 12 episodes or did you stop at six? No, I stopped at six. Okay. Yeah. So this is a hard uh, how not to waste your time yeah, recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it, it was just not nothing uh, there's fighting scenes too which is kind of crazy to me that it, they also fit that into there but they're they're okay, you know. They you never really got a basis of like this is this person's special fighting ability is this or this person is uh you know from this clan and they fight this way and so it's a no it's just like a, a human guy and his affirmation about elf women and then a small elf uh, uh sort of teenage child but the the age is skewed so he likes like older women because they they live you know shorter human lives and it's at, at a point it's just like uh, um it it feeds off of itself you know what i mean like it's it it's purging itself and it's just like look at these boobs uh, this this uh humanoid tentacle monster also has boobs and it's a it's not an entertaining show for me if i'm if i'm completely honest oh i'm a happy man you you passed the anime litmus test i did yeah you now you can have your weeb card back after having it revoked for watching it yeah you you turn it in and then if you know if you if you watch the 12 episodes and then watch another itchy show they give you like a a certain shaped punch in your weeb card but dodge that one I'm proud of you. Yeah. You don't even need to show me gifts. I watched the show. Cringe, bro. Absolute cringe. So 50 out of 100. Uh, with that news, we will... Not I- not dwell on this as we dwelled on sports. Go ahead and move on to... What, what sound did we want? A uh, PlayStation. You're editing this. <laughs> and that sound cued you into our video game segment. Hey, buddy. What kind of video games did you touch on in this month of April? So in this past month, I have dug my dirty little toes into the best riot video game made on mobile it is known as wild rift league of legends and basically it is just a small scale version of the league of legends pc game it's riot's first kind of uh taking of league of legends and putting elsewhere apparently wild rift is supposed to come to consoles eventually too that's the plan i'm a riot fanboy this is it this is this is where i'm at i have played all four riot games league of legends which is uh, number three on my all-time favorites list uh, uh, Legends of Runeterra, the card game, which I play daily still. It's great. Um, nice. Valorant, which I praised here previously, is one of the more fun multiplayer um, competitive shooters. 
and now Wild Rift. I am a Riot fanboy, and I'm okay with that. I I like uh, Wild Rift. I think it's a lot of fun. I've been playing it with my coworkers, and uh, it's it is really a good gateway to League of Legends because I feel like League can be a lot, a lot to kind of take at once. This really scales things down a lot, and uh, again, it's, it's still Summer's Rift, still same map, but you're playing on a smaller. Uh, it's a little bit. Everything's a lot quicker paced. So instead of uh, smaller um you get mirrored red side which is which is a super nice feature right so you, the, the the map flips for you so you're never seeing it from a different angle you're always seeing it from the same angle even if you're on the other side of the map um and i i like that it is quick it you know a short match is like 13 minutes a long match is like 22 minutes you know so you're gonna fall in between that realm usually and so you can play games you know real quick like during lunch breaks you can play a game like no doubt, it's not going to take longer than your lunch break at work. You know, you can just pop it in and play. And um, for the most part, I've been really enjoying um, just kind of learning the minutia of it. You know, kind of when where to tap. You know, there's a lot of different things when you're using your thumbs versus a, a, a mouse and keyboard. And so obviously, your your character is controlled by kind of a joystick on your left thumb, but your right thumb is all your abilities. And so you know, kind of knowing when to tap them and how they work is a little bit of a learning curve, but it's a really good MOBA, multi-online battle arena, multiplayer online battle arena. And, uh, and it's just adapted in such a, a great way that is totally accessible to anyone, even if you've never played a MOBA before. I think this is the time to jump on. Yeah, uh, I think Riot has their, you know, has their wheelhouse. And Summoner's Rift is probably their wheelhouse. Like, I, I like Legends of Runeterra. Um, I'm just not too much of a fan of, like, mobile card games. Um okay. Legend of Ruteras was a fun game, and I liked it even more than I liked Hearthstone, which is arguably more popular. Right. Um, but that being said, it's it it was difficult for me to just continue on playing it. I liked it, um, and I've played this as well, and it's the same sort of thing where it's just like I, I like it, and I like League of Legends, and I like the classic Summoner's Rift like matchup, but I didn't feel as it was as like competitive as what I liked the original for the original league of legends playing on the computer and having that. Um, I, I, I think more importantly, I do like the feel of mouse and keyboard over left thumb joystick mainly. And, and then also I do get difficult when it comes to like, uh, the skill shots in the game. I understand that's like also kind of uh, made easier on mobile than it is technically on mouse and keyboard. But for me, it was just like, it disconnected me from playing the game the way I like to play the game previously. Right. So on skill shots, they a skill shot is just a, a ability that you use that you have to kind of point in a direction. So it's a little bit more difficult to point in a direction when you're using your thumb versus mouse keyboard. I totally agree. However, they did add character portraits. So your enemies have portraits that you can literally click on and then it automatically will auto direct your skill shots towards them, which doesn't always work because it doesn't account for um, left and right movement, but if they're moving up and down, then it, it should automatically hit them. So they, it definitely makes it easier in that regard and harder too, because it doesn't count for, it doesn't predict, right? It just goes. Um, the wor- absolute worst part of the entire game though, was that uh, for a period of time, you had to play the game with no uh, roll or cue select, roll, yes. roll cue, which just means you couldn't choose what lane you wanted to go to. So you'd have to tell people in, it's just, it's just difficult communi- communicating in a lobby on a mobile game right. in general. So it was it was it was like you're playing the game and you're just kind of like you're everyone's filling in 
not exactly the role you wanted to play in and it's, takes away from kind of the enjoyment of it when you have to play you're forced to play a character you don't really typically want to play or i say i'm going jungle and then someone else says after me they're going jungle but they're locked in their character and so now we're both playing jungle so now it's double jungle so i i'm going to be stubborn because i called it and that's how it works in blind queue in right. the the pc game first come first serve so it's whoever calls your role first and that seems small but I had so many times where I was like, okay, I'm I'm jungle and someone else goes jungle or I'm I'm mid and someone else I mean, goes it, mid, it's, double mid. It's, it's a huge part of the game. Like yeah. you when you're playing a person you don't want to play, it's just like, oh, I don't want to play. Right. And so they added roll queue in ranked. And so ranked is now fine. I made it to uh, silver four this week. Um so that that makes playing ranked okay, but if someone doesn't want to play ranked, so like one of my coworkers, Sean, I play normals with them and we will go bot together and then someone will be like, Oh, I'm ADC. Like, no, I'm duoed with Sean. Like, I need to go bot with him. And no. then we have three people in the bot lane together. And now it's just like, yeah. ugh. I think it's, I mean, it's a fun game. I played a lot of the Braum. And I mm-hmm. and I immediately felt how uh, different scaled um, this game is. Because, like, obviously it's a smaller map, sort mm-hmm. of. And Braum has a pretty typical queue and and. I feel like they didn't scale that down at all. So it, it's funny to see the balancing tweaks on a different map, even though it's the same game technically. Yeah. We're, we're trying to make this conversation accessible to people who have never played League of Legends. Yeah. But uh, it's hard to talk about what's why it's there's a, there's a lot of There's a lot of details that um, just, just wouldn't make sense in a normal conversation. But uh, let's just uh, give it a rating, man. Would you rate it? Yeah, I'm giving it an 82. I thought it was great because they're able to take such an awesome experience that I, I give League of Legends 100 out of 100, like the the normal game. It's one of my all-time favorites. Like I said, it's number three on my top 175 video games. And so I I think they're able to downscale that really well. Uh, they have some growing pains they're going to have to get over. Um, there's definitely some things they're going to have to change. But I, I look forward to keep playing this and as seeing as it grow because it, technically it's now an open beta. It hasn't officially released yet, so we're playing the open beta yeah. version. So it makes sense that they have growing pains, um, and I, I don't expect it to be uh, perfectly polished right now. But uh, I've still been enjoying my experience, and definitely would recommend it for people who have never played League of Legends to just jump into this and kind of get a feel for what the game's like. Yeah, man, it sounds sounds great. Throw a few matches together, dude. Let's do it. Let's game, bro. And speaking of gaming, natural segue to your gaming, bro. Apparently, you've been spending. A limitless hours on um, a, a little game that uh, I really didn't think I was going to care about at all. I wish you, I wish you got onto it. It's so much fun. We're playing. A, I'm playing Monster Hunter Rise on the Nintendo Switch. And you're playing solo. Do, do you have other people you're playing with? I have a partner to play with. We played uh, Monster Hunter World on right. the PlayStation. We, all three of us did. Yeah. Um. And I don't. We played with Shaq too, I think. Yeah, like, we played with Shaq. That was our that was our quad stack. Yeah, um, a little bit of my brother too. I remember him playing a little bit. I don't. How many hours did you have on World? On World, I think I had sixty, and I think you have like close to like a hundred. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a good use of my life hours. You know what I mean? Playing Monster Hunter World, and now in turn, I even got a rise like two weeks after it came out. Like not even like not even like picking up. Uh, straight out of the gate like I I immediately was like I'm gonna spend a lot of time on this I need to I need to give myself a buffer um 
But, you know, sure enough, picked up Monster Hunter Rise and probably clocked 60 plus hours on it already for the three weeks, four weeks I've had it. Um, do you just go on Discord and talk over Discord? Yeah, yeah. just throw on a, throw on a Discord Because Switch call. doesn't have like a real party system. Um, so. Yeah, it, it doesn't really. It, there's, there's their app that's supposed to be a party system. But right. It has, it, 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 they have it set up weird where it's like, oh, you could party in these three games, Splatoon and Mario Kart. Yeah, and Smash Bros. And Smash Bros. And, it's, and then it's like uh, every other Nintendo game, you're SOL. Um, but uh, I guess the main thing that is, is super important for people who want to get into this, this is the iteration where there's a grappling hook. So, and a, and a mount. You could ride a dog. I've, I've heard about the mount. Um, so if anyone's not familiar with Monster Hunter, quick synopsis, you are a hunter and you're tracking Kill down monsters. monsters, and you have weapons of varying complexities. So yeah. What are you using this round? Um, this round, I'm actually uh, so with this grappling hook, you get um, a few. You for the majority of weapons, you get two um, silk bind skills. That's what the grappling hook's called. But um, for me, uh, the most interesting ones are the uh, long sword and the charge blade, which is charge blade is what I played previously. Right. But I remember you being a charge blade user. Yeah, and previously I dabbled into longsword, but this iteration makes the makes a, a world of weapons um, much cleaner to use and much more fun to use. Including also, I've been playing um, light bowgun, and I'm realizing that no one cares what weapons I'm using <laughs> if they <laughs> if they don't play video games. But it, uh, like I said, this um, grappling hook makes these weapons so much faster and so much more uh, dynamic. So like, are you just able to grapple hook onto the monster? Not yeah, for for specific ones. Um so mainly I picked up the light bow gun because it's move basically you uh send your grappling hook into the the sky and um it kind of like a rubber bands you up over so you do like this huge massive arc of a somersault and um with a light bow gun you have certain ammo types and basically you could shoot downwards while doing this arc. Um, so that makes, uh, previously in previous iterations, the light bow gun kind of sat in the back of the party, um, dealing out utility items and support items, but now it's, it, you, you can play it very aggressively and, um, there's a few ammo types for the light bow gun that have changed to be, uh, uh, more, uh, effective close range. So with that new silk bind skill, um, you're getting more aggressive play from, uh, a weapon that didn't exactly sit in that realm, and that's what piqued my interest of it. Man, it sounds like you'd really love the Monster Hunter movie. I did not watch. I should have watched. I probably should have watched for this. You no, should I have. shouldn't have. <laughs> you should no, have. I shouldn't have. <laughs> we could have both talked about it. It's a yeah. Fun, fun movie. Yeah, I shouldn't have. Um, um, interesting. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're having a good time. I don't. I don't think I want to get it. It's such like a frame of mind that I just don't want to be in. It's just like yeah. if, if Destiny Three comes out, I don't know if I'm getting that. Yeah, that, just, I think I think that's where I want to leave it. Like the few, so like there's Monster Hunter World and the uh, a big huge hurdle for it was the online capabilities and like connecting to lobbies was so uh, just not of the age. Like it, it felt like connecting lobbies on an Xbox original. You know what right. I mean? Like you'd fall off sometimes for no apparent reason and it was super hard like scrolling through three or four menus just to find your friends this one it's easy you create the lobby you send the invite to the lobby and boom you guys are posting quests and jumping in 
like rapidly quick compared to the last iteration. The other part is um, in the last game, you'd walk around this infinite map and you just kind of run out of stamina like on your way to the monster because you're sprinting through this entire map. Now you have a dog that you can ride and he's so fast and he can drift and it's like that makes quality of life so much better because the core loop of the game is load onto a map, kill the monster, get loot, load onto the map, kill the monster, get loot. And it's like, it's that addiction that, you know, serotonin, like I'm trying to like search for loot, 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 loot. And it's like, now that it's faster and in my, in, in a handheld form, it's a perfect game. 94. I'm going to drop on there. Yeah. I I can respect that 94. Um, again, for me, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I, I just don't like, uh, repetitious loot gaining. I, I don't know. It just does not feel rewarding to me. So any like looter shooter, I'd, I'm going to be really hesitant to get because it just doesn't like MMOs. Like, uh, man, I just feel like anything that's like grinding like that, if it's not like a single player RPG or something where I'm, I, I can choose whether to grind or not, like that kind of thing. And I'm not like pure, yeah. forced by whatever overworld type thing going on. I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I don't I, know if I want that. Yeah, I completely understand because especially um, console versions of the looter shooters are all very uh, reminiscent of each other. They're all sharing the same um, tactics and, you know, loops in their gameplay, um, which not to say that this doesn't share those same loops, but um, there's 15 weapons, something like that around that weapons to choose from. So you yeah. can... You can really, um, it's not just like, oh, I have a machine gun, I'm going to go kill people and take their loot. It's, it, it is very specific because even the monsters themselves vary completely different from each other and the weapons vary completely each other. So you could really adjust your play style to what you want, but it is that core, you know, give me loot, kill the monster, give me loot kind of gameplay that I, I understand isn't for everyone. Uh, I, I have Monster Hunter World at number 49 on my top 175 games. So I liked Monster Hunter World. I really enjoyed our time that we spent there playing it. Uh, a lot of bonding, a lot of fun times. I switched my weapons. I started with the bow and I went to the insect glaive. Like I was able to kind of uh, get a good feel for uh, what the game was throwing at me. And I feel like that time is, you know, that was how I wanted to spend my time then. And now I want to waste my time a little differently. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally um, acceptable in that world. It's just, uh, I don't know, this sort of just, it all comes together to be this nice little package of like being on the Nintendo Switch and the online's fixed and, you know, I'm fighting and hunting faster and especially with this new skill, like I'm, I'm just, I'm, it, it all feels more efficient. The whole entire package feels more efficient, which is what I, which, what in turn made me put 60 hours into it in three weeks time. Bingo Bongo Board Game-o. I will be talking about a board game today. Oh, I, I, I would hope you would. And it is a board game that I kickstarted um, way back a couple, may I, over a year ago. What a, what a nice guy, dude. Just, just funding, funding the industry himself on his own back with his own two cents. I am a very generous man. Uh, I'm actually... I've explained this here before. I'm always hunting on Kickstarter for something. I don't know what it is about Kickstarter, but I love the idea of like being the reason why this product got created. But it, it kind of feels like I'm funding indie sources, uh, but also it it 
it feels like there's a lot of hidden gems on there that don't make it out. And so this is one of those hidden gems. You're making dreams come true, brother. I am. I am. And I am the, the hidden gem of board gaming that I want to talk about today is rival restaurants and rival restaurants is a game where you play as the owner of a restaurant and you are simply fulfilling uh, recipes um, and by fulfilling recipes, you get popularity points, and it's the first one to twenty points wins. That's it, it's as simple as that. However, there's a there is a phase in this game that plays up to eight p- players with the expansion that I got, um, that is known as the buy and barter phase. In that phase, you have exactly one minute to buy all the ingredients that you need from the store that you have chosen to like respective shop that you've been to, and then also barter with every other player at the table to trade ingredients. So as soon as that one minute timer starts, you say, Oh, I need, I need this. Hey, who's got, who's got peppers? Anyone's got peppers. I'll give you hundred, I'll give you hundred coins for the peppers. I'll give you hundred coins. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then you're trying to buy her. Give me uh, 300 get, coins for the get peppers. That and get that price up there, boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll take the 200, but I'm also going to take the sweet fruit because you have a sweet fruit and I need that for one of my, one of my recipes. I need that. And so everybody has different kind of things. You're all buying and buying. It's a lot of cross talking because it's all simultaneous turns. And the idea behind rival restaurants is that in the restaurant industry, time waits for nobody. So everything is simultaneous. You're all going at once, which is great for any game like that is pretty much above five players. If it's not simultaneous turns, it will take two to three hours. Like if you have a six, I've played six player games that aren't simultaneous turns and it does take two to three hours just because everybody's turn every, each person adds an additional 40 minutes to play time. And so when you have six players, you know, I think stacks it. I think board games run into that, uh, issue with like engine building games. Right. I mean, like everyone's just like, Oh, how do I find this combo? Card? How combo, do I do? combo, combo. I gotta pick this, pick that up, pick right. that up, drop this, and this made this, and it's like, oh, everyone does that, and all of a sudden you're sitting at a table for an hour and forty five minutes. Yeah, easy. So, Rob Restaurants, we actually played a six player game. This was our first time ever playing it, and we were able to play it in uh, an hour and a half. It was crazy. I've never had a six player game a first play that was that fast. And it felt like a full experience. Like it didn't feel like I was shortchanged. Didn't feel like anyone did anything wrong. It was like a full experience, a full game, and it was really, really fun. Like I really enjoyed that. That buy and barter phase changes everything. And you have action cards. And if you want to use an action card in the middle of buy and barter phase, you'd say action card. And we pause the timer, and you can like that shakes up the gameplay. Like you can do, you can steal stuff. You allow take this type of things, and it makes the entire gameplay a lot more interactive. Because it's the worst when you're playing a six player game and you have no idea what other people are doing. But right, or like you know, every turn you're like reflecting to the the manual, and it's like, okay, you did this good, you did this good, but this screwed this up, so that screwed that up, and the we played another game that I'll get into that simultaneously turns, and it's it's so f- entertaining that way. Right. Now, simultaneous turns is the way to go. Like that's that's how it is for player engagement interaction, especially in rival restaurants. You say, "What recipes do you have?" You know, because I own the shop of a Peruvian restaurant, and so I'm looking for Peruvian recipes because if I complete those, I get an additional point for completing those recipes. And so you're trying to trade those recipes now. And so now you're like, you're trying to wheel and deal. But the thing is, you can't even talk about any of that except for that one minute period. So all of, all of the trading, all of the like saying what you will do has to happen in that one minute. And so even like I heard somebody saying, oh, it's a nice recipe. I'll give you a hundred for it. I'm like, nope, wait for the buy and buyer phase. Do not, you cannot do that here. <laughs> you know, and I had to be the, uh, the, right. the, the rules cop, but uh, it made for a much more fun experience. Like that, that uh, people complained. I read on um, board game geek that people complained that, the one minute wasn't enough time. They wish they had more. 
But honestly, we played the whole time with one minute and it felt perfect. Like there were some times where we were like, <laughs> we're like, anybody got this? Anybody got green beans? Where are the green beans? And sometimes right. we were like, oh, I have green beans. And then the timer went. <laughs> right. I mean, it, obviously it depends on the efficiency of the people you're playing with. Exactly. But um, yeah, super. The simultaneously turn thing is a, is a game changer. It's a board game changer. Board game changer. I'm giving Rebel Restaurants a 91 out of 100. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's got great art. It's got a lot of food puns too. Uh, if you're into, if you like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too, that full of, of food puns. There's a leak in the boat. Um, then you will love uh, Rival Restaurants food puns. Nice, dude. All right, bro. Let's let's talk about your uh, board game or card game of this month. So my uh, card game experience uh, came off the back of us having a hike and having a dinner for my birthday. And you meeting my puppy. B-Day boy meeting the Bonzo. Big old Bonzo. Which I guess we should update, you know. uh, People might be worried from the last episode. If you're following the uh, lore of uh, Garbanzo being Equipado. I would uh, like to start this off by uh, just appreciating everybody on their well wishes. And the tons of feedback we got um, about my sick puppy. Yeah, uh, the handwritten letters were crazy. Yeah, the handwritten letters, people showing up the doorstep with uh, casseroles and puppy casseroles, you know, just um, my heart goes out to the community. But uh, I'd like to reassure everyone that he is uh, has a full, clean bill of health. He's a a wonderfully spry puppy um, waking up as early as 630 to chew our faces off in the bed. But, you know, that's what we that's what that's what we wanted from him. That's the puppy life. That's the puppy life, and that's the puppy life he deserves. He does not deserve to be sick. Right, and we're we're following up with this because uh, in last month's episode, uh, D-Rai was at home taking care of the puppy and not at the beach, as it as you may have many of you may have been fooled uh, by the sounds of seagulls and uh, glasses clinking that he was at the beach in uh, West Covina, uh, but in fact he was actually at home taking care of a, a sick puppy. Yes, in all reality. That- and that's the reason it was a remote podcast, if uh, the quality had fallen at all, if you've noticed. Um, but now we're we're in the we're 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 chilling with the twelve pieces of foam. We're in the studio, baby, and we got a, a healthy puppy. But besides all that, we played pit. Pit. It was freaking sick, and I, I'm surprised. Uh, my girlfriend loved it a lot too, and we we spoke about it um, after you guys left. That uh, is, she doesn't. Um, she's about as into board games as an average person's. They play it when they're around. They don't really own a lot. Um, they like Mancala, you know what I mean? Like Mancala. Yeah. That's, that's her, that's her wheelhouse. But, um, in pit it's, it's the same thing of, a uh, you know, you have these four, well, we're playing with four people. You have these four commodities on the table in card form and the deck has shuffled. So each hand has, you know, your, your hands filled with four commodities and you're trying to build a full set of this commodity. Um, and it's all, uh, 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 the, the bell of the, uh, stock trading, um, is a literal bell that you ring on your table. And once that, once you hear that ding, it's a complete simultaneously turn and everyone is trading, uh, a mystery stock to each other asking for two cards and you trade another person two cards. So very like go fish. You're trading the same amount of cards and maybe you might need three of this commodity. So you're asking for to ditch three of your cards and trade up and trade down. 
um, all simultaneously yelling over each other, uh, fighting over and like, uh, completely disregarding some turns and like completely disregarding some trades and, you know, cause uh, a few little wrenches might be in, in the deck to screw up your hand. But overall it's like, you're just, you're just rushing to make this hand in the first one to, uh, fulfill their commodity and ring the bell gets that round. Yes. So you're collecting a set of nine cards. So, uh, nine of the same suit essentially and the suits are just as he explained the commodities so like silver wool oil coffee uh simulating that that's stock market um i i enjoyed our experience with pit we had played it with um a co-worker sean and his wife edith at their house and i didn't realize the game had been um remade for modern day and a, a lot of fun so we're like all right we got to own this brought it over a little double date game night and I'm uh, I'm glad you guys liked it because I, I had a lot of fun as well. Yeah, just like a one of those games that's like you know it's not super difficult to understand. You're trying to get the nine commodities in your hand and ring the bell. That's that's the game start to finish. Um, there's a there's a the the next level of difficulty is adding the bull and the bear, which can either uh, act as a, a wild card or act as a card where. Um, you're like a, basically like a no turn. Like you can't win the game with this card in your hand. That'd be the bear and the bull being the wild card. And um, we had we had mixed feelings, I would say, across the table about playing with the uh, the those two spare cards. But um, I think either way you ship it, the game is super fun for that that four player or you know however many commodities you want to add into the deck and add players. Um, just just an entertaining game. You you all yell yell at each other. You all hate each other at the end of the night, but it, <laughs> you know at the end of the day, the stock market uh, is is basically blood money. Right, it remains king. What score did you give this? Ooh, yeah, maybe I should open my notes and take a look. You give it a little pigsy. We gave it an eighty. Yeah, I feel like it's a Grady. I feel like a Grady is appropriate. It, it is. It's a great game. It's very simple. You can throw in those two extra cards for a little bit more complexity, but the the, the real delight is yelling on top of each other because it turns out that's a lot of fun and you don't as an ad- adult you really don't get to yell on top of other people that often right just like a your your run-of-the-mill family uno game like you can break it out you could teach it to anybody right and it's not gonna you know you're not gonna uh thumb through a rule book for 45 minutes uh, giving your ted talk to your friends That was the sound of flipping comic book pages because we are talking about comics, baby. Yeah, have you ever felt a comic book nerd? Have you ever touched grass? It's a good feeling. It's a good smell. I like a good, oof, like a good comic smell. Uh, yeah, cracking open the ding ding to your local local comic book store. Good smell. I just took a whiff of my comic, uh, which I will be talking about: Firepower Volume Two. Which is the sequel to... Um, we, got, we got a sequel in our own podcast, brother. Right, right. And it, I would have talked about it more immediately, but it was um, hadn't came out yet. So this just came out. Um, I believe I got my order in January and I just have been putting it off. But I read it on the airplane to Florida. And um, it is the sequel to, I believe it was like... The December or November episode of How to Waste Your Time, I talked about Firepower Volume 1, and if you guys remember from that episode, it's basically about a uh, 
man, a Chinese man, Chinese American man who doesn't know who his parents are. And so he's kind of trying to seek out a little bit more about them. Uh, D. Rai did the waist cap on it. He learns mixed martial arts, yada, yada, a little Kung Fu kind of esque, but also fantastical. This sequel takes place uh, right after the last seconds of um, volume one, uh, where our main protagonist it has a, it's been a time skip. And uh, he's obviously in America. He's left China and he's left that isolated uh, dojo where he had learned all his skills. And it kind of talks about him as a adult, you know, having two kids of his own um, and a wife and, you know, what his life is like a little bit outside of that. And it's very interesting because it feels very cinematic in the way that this almost is like a sequel movie. Like the first movie kind of established like who these characters were, what's going on. And the, really the end of volume one, it was like the after credit scene. It was like, oh, wow, this is where they're going with it. And they go there in the sequel movie and it's very good. And it has a lot of really compelling things to say. And it's it's almost like a mystery too, because that time jump, nothing is explained. You're picking up the pieces from uh, writing cues. And Robert Kirkman is so smart. Like he's a, a really big author and writer of comics for a reason, because he knows how to tell a narrative. And it makes for a really engaging um, story. And uh, Kirkman and Samney uh, work so well together. And my boy, Matt Wilson, on the colors, makes this comic absolutely pop right out of your hands, into your eyes. And it is such an enjoyable experience. I I, I love Firepower, and I think it's a modern-day uh, image classic. Yeah. Um, I mean forever going to be in love with the cinematic storytelling style. And I, I do agree with you that that first one is like, you know, every martial arts movie, you have the, the big training buildup and then the huge climactical fight. And right. it's like it, you read it and you see it and you think it, and that's part, that's what you want a comic to do is to, is to infect your mind with movements and visuals and sounds. And I, I, I even had a moment where I was reading this next to my wife and uh, it it was like, oh, hey, look, honey, this is something you do. Like, it was like something so realistic. Like, he goes in for a kiss and, like, she moves her head away. And it's, like, captured so beautifully, like, because she's pissed at him for whatever reason. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, just the fact that they're able to capture that in the art and in the writing, like, these dynamics between these characters uh, on top of this already great action, you know, movie is really, really cool. And, I again, I cannot praise Firepower enough. It is one of the best um, comics to come out of image in the past 10 years for me. Cool, man. Um, if you were to rate that comic, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving, uh, firepower volume two a 90, uh, out of a hundred. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give it in, in the upper echelons of, of it because it's incomplete. It's definitely feels, whereas like volume one definitely was a complete prologue where this feels like this is where the story is going. And, uh, I feel like, if I can rate firepower as a whole, once everything is done, it, it has the potential to be in like the 97, um, area of like, just perfect for me. One of the best comics of all time, uh, because it is so good. And this is a really nice, like middle piece of the overall story. It really gets the story rolling of whatever it really is. Firepower. Nice dude. All right, man. What are you going to tell us about your comic book experience? My comic book experience was uh, stolen through a web browser, but it's okay. That's sometimes we just gotta, we just gotta, we're pirates on the high seas. You know what I mean? Whether it be this 
facet of her life or another facet. But I read King in Black. Do you have any uh, uh, assumptions of what that is? Yeah, it's about uh, Blackbeard the Pirate. I read that one. Dude, Pirates on the Open Sea. You got it. You freaking nailed it. Not. Um, King in Black is... Forgive me if uh, if I'm far removed from this, but this is a uh, Marvel crossover event. I'm not sure where it sits in the Venom timeline or anywhere in the universe. I'm not caught up. But don't uh, don't crucify me. I'm not the biggest comic book nerd, but I saw this and I felt like uh, Venom is one of my uh, more favorite uh, villains and non-villains in right. the anti-hero. Yeah, in the in in the uh, Marvel universe, and seeing it being like a sort of popular uh, uh, crossover event, I decided to read King in Black. Worst review ever. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a quick little five issue. It deals with um, Null, which is the uh, king of the symbiotes, and his descent and destruction upon Earth, and how it relates to Eddie Brock Venom. And his son, uh, his newborn, uh, not a newborn, but his teenage son. Um, and basically the cataclysmic event that destroys and infects the Avengers and X-Men with uh, this dirty yuck yuck symbiote from space. The void symbiote, the dark symbiote. So we're talking about Eddie Brock and not um, the Marcus. Not Marcus. This is Eddie Brock, our blonde haired, blue eyed hunk in this absolute dad bod hunk in this in this iteration so this is about null k-n-u-l-l yes who is like uh an evil deity yes yeah, so to, it, it his um comic book origin isn't exactly super explained but think of the uh venom as a symbiote in uh this creature from space um null would be the father of this specific symbiote and the father of all symbiotes that are floating around space infecting humans and um, different uh, you know uh, uh, planets in the solar system per se. So King and Black's pretty new it's it just it, it stopped uh, publication in uh, this month so yeah that's that's yeah, quick, new stuff. quick little uh, five issues so it's like it was an, it was a nice little read um, it's not gonna it's not gonna break anybody's um, neck, you know, staring down at a a long issue. Um, I think the reason that I I've liked Venom and and why Venom has a popularity is is the art style and it's very graphic. It's very uh, it's so gritty and he's he's the dark. He's the he's the antihero of antiheroes. You know, he's he's speaking. Uh, it's Brock and Venom speaking to each other and it's it's so fun and. Especially in this crossover event, you get so many cool characters. You know, it's your classic Marvel Iron Man and Cap and, you know, Wolverine's peeking in there. And uh, Spider-Man has a big part in it. Thor has a big part in it. Doctor Strange has a, a nice part in it. And Silver Surfer shows up. And it's it, it, not to spoil anything, but it it, it it is it is one of those crossover events where it's like, oh, that, that guy's cool. I love that guy. That guy's cool. I love that guy. And it, it all uh, climaxes quite nicely in... Uh, in the Venom universe, and I, of course, Venom is just one of those super interesting characters, and the symbiote itself, and especially how it, how it's used um, in this iteration, is so great. Right, and I think ultimately, it's 
it, the reason why it's so visually interesting is because you're not confined to limbs like venom it can be like form whatever it wants and so you get these really weird like exaggerated looks that kind of remind you of like spawn like the reason why exactly uh, yeah. Todd McFarlane's spawn run was so great is because it's you can do whatever you want with that character you know and so that's what makes venom so like gritty and, and it, it he is like the essence of the 90s and so it's kind of cool getting like a dosage of nostalgia while you watch like yeah absolutely that. especially null too he's a he's definitely a cool interesting character for him because he's like he descends upon the whole world basically at the same time with these symbiotic dragons and you know they're flying through infecting like i said the avengers and all these people and you know then you get these you know the the fist on fist with a blade and you know these weird epic little dragon creatures cool bro what rating did you give this little uh five issue um, so this five issue is going to catch the uh, 80 from these hands. Um, it's a great, great little read. Super sick. Like if, like I said, if you're like me and you're not exactly inside the Marvel universe and you're not tapped all the way in, it's just five issues in and out. You read it, you have fun in and out. Grady. Bop, bop. Bada bing. Now this is podcasting. And that's what a podcast sounds like. Because this month, I will be talking about a podcast so extraordinary. It has been sitting on the How to Waste Your Time shared notes file for months, waiting for my chance to shine. And it is called Draft Punks. A little premise for it is if you've ever had it participated in a fantasy draft of any sport, you'll understand there's a method known as snake. A snake draft is where if you... In this specific case, in Draft Punks, you have four p- people. And if you draft the very first pick, you will then again draft at eight because you will snake around. So the second pick will draft at seven. The third pick will draft at six. And then the fourth pick will get picks four and five. So we'll get back to back. And it snakes around like that all the way four in Draft Punks. It's five rounds. However, Draft Punks does not deal with sports at all. Or athletes. Or athletes. Um, it is different topics each week. Uh, I believe there was uh, up to 38 episodes now. And some of the topics may vary from things such as cereals, um, where you can draft, you know, whatever the best cereals are. You have five picks, try to make the best uh, group out of them. Or uh, Wii video games. Or uh, some stuff like um, Pixar characters. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. And uh, the, the fun thing, the, the pretty much the best thing about Draft Punks is the interaction. It's, they have a Discord uh, server, which is kind of like a Skype um, group. And they have a vote each week where you can vote on who had the best draft. Basically, which collection of five picks uh, was the most compelling to you for whatever reason. You submit your vote just by uh, reacting with an um, emote to the specific picture or whatever it may be. And then whoever wins uh, the following week gets to be first pick. So for me, I was uh, a guest on one of the episodes. Uh, I had suggested the topic of game shows and uh, I was able to draft uh, some of my favorite game shows. Um, Some of mine got taken. A few of them? Quite a few of mine got taken, but I mean, there's only so many great game shows, but it still was a really awesome experience. I had a lot of fun, and the reason why this show sings is because uh, these guys are some of the people that I became friends with recently, uh, Travis, Rob, 
and Brian, and they are really good. They have really good chemistry, and they're a lot of fun to listen to. And they didn't know each other really at all before they started making Draft Punks. Uh, they'd only known each other for a couple months, and now they just the show sings. They are so fun to listen to together. They're all three of them are very different. They have unique personalities, and it was a total delight to be on a on a show with them. Yeah, it's such a. It's a I've had my handful in a few episodes and participating in the last few um, voting for you and, you know, running uh, uh, just kind of like being behind the scenes, knowing knowing that you were uh, being featured. Um, It's definitely super fun. And 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 like just the concept of the show is so great and provides so much uh, uh, community involvement, um, which is so much fun for for any show you dream of that. And you know, this is, this is that show where you, you listen to it and you know, these characters and you like, uh, you understand that they're all trying to build the same, you, you're trying to build the best, uh, uh, draft. Group, right, yeah. yeah. You're drafting the best group. And, uh, at the end, you know, the community votes for who won and it's, it's such a great, uh, you know, just so such an ent- entertaining, uh, um, engine for, you know, building content. Yeah. It's a, a very interactive podcast and, I was totally honored to be on the show. I'd been grinding, trying, trying to behind the scenes to try to get my feet in the water and kind of plant the seeds. Be like, hey, uh, how about this? And they, I was honored that they asked me to be on it. Uh, so definitely check out that episode. And then while you're at it, you can go back to the archive. And even though you won't be able to participate in the votes per se because they already happened, you will be able to hear what people drafted. And the fun part of some of the more food ones, like uh, sandwiches, and they did pizza toppings whatever you drafted on your specific pizza or sandwich you had to make. So the, the guys, they made those sandwiches and they mm-hmm. posted pictures of them and that was the vote or they made that pizza and they posted pictures of it. And uh, for the pizza topping ones, I uh, I loved uh, Rob Hudak's um, draft for uh, pizza. Uh, he had like a sausage, banana peppers, pineapple, uh, and like um, feta cheese and I made that pizza, and that was like the way I was able to cast my ballot, and it was a delectable pizza. What, a, what an extremely strong draft! Yeah, it was awesome. It was it was such a good pizza, and I and I and like just cool stuff like that that it makes you think. My wife loves the show. I'm always talking to her about it. If we're like putting away uh, laundry, I'll put one of the episodes on. Like recently, uh, they made an episode for baby names. That was a lot of fun to just hear uh, different names go around, and we're like, oh, we like that name, or oh, you know. That's a cute name too. So just even commenting on it, just from an outside perspective, it's like, oh, that's fun. And so, uh, yeah. it's definitely something that you'll find. Even if not every topic interests you, you can go back in the archive and find topics that do interest you, and be like, oh, what did they draft for Disney characters? Right. Did, did my Disney yeah. character get chosen? How would I have done this draft? Well, yeah. Which team does it sound like? I would much rather like watch those Disney characters. And like I said, the the engagement is like is 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 part of like the reason I like the show it's like it's just super cool to watch you know just watch all these this community just kind of build around these these drafts so I'm obviously biased I've been on the show I know these guys uh, pretty well uh, they were my partners for the uh, esports team killer queen that I was on and uh, they are really cool so I'm gonna rate this very highly I'm giving it 97. I think it's perfect. I wish I would have came up with the show. Like it's such a, a great concept. Geniuses, modern Genius day concept. geniuses. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Let's do. It. I listen to it every single week. Every week it comes out. I always make sure to listen to it so I can vote. Like it's it's a smart concept that gets people to listen right away. Like it's 
like you want to listen right away so you can vote you can participate in it otherwise you're just seeing the vote and be like oh how did why did he pick that you know because you get to hear the backstories behind the drafts and uh, it's a very entertaining show go listen to it and check out draft punks what pod did you participate your pod earring in um yes sir i did listen to a pod this month uh just uh just one of those months where i'm thumbing through and you know i need some background uh noise while i uh do the dishes and drive and uh scoop up poop from my backyard um i listen to the a24 podcast on spotify which is kind of funny because we were just talking about A24 on this episode. Yes, you, I think it's quite cute that we coordinated in such a way. I actually didn't didn't realize. I, I read A24 podcast, but I didn't gather that it was about the, the filmographers. Yeah, so um, it's a it's pretty simple concept. It's not uh, too uh, big and explanatory. It's just these creators that are on or, or work with the studio um, that sort of just get together it's not it's not in any format or anything like that it's just these you see these people in the industry get together and have conversations um very simple and it's it's always off the cuff and you're just kind of um uh getting together to get together and make a podcast nothing no real themes or anything behind it but uh, other than the creation of what they do and the industry itself does it go over specific movies at all do they say oh this is a, the start talking about this um, or is it is it just it, producers? It depends on the episode. So uh, there's there's one with the uh, Sadafi brothers, and they okay. sort of go into their films, and then another episode with uh, um, Michael Sarah and uh, Jonah Hill. Um, okay. So and they they touch on Superbad and the fame that they get from there, and but it's really more of telling uh, uh, first person stories of of. Uh, the films themselves not like a breakdown of their films or really working on them and then um, like Michael Sarah one and the Jonah Hill one evolved into you know talking about uh, uh, Jonah Hill's film work and his solo projects and his directorial debut and then also Michael Sarah's uh, you know Broadway shows that he that he's been participating in the last a uh, few years so it's, it's just one of those things that it's like it's it's all audio, audio, no video to it, and you just plug it in, and you, like I, I would suggest, like there's a few episodes caught my eye with who was on them, and that's how uh, that's how I recommend anyone else listen to it. Go, go check out their library and see what they have for you. If you see any like legit film creators that you like, I think it's it's totally worth a listen. Cool, man. Yeah, no, I need to check that out because I feel like A24 definitely has a. Um, like we talked about a mood mantra about them. So I'd like to see how it translates into the podcast game, you know, something not visual, something that's completely audio and hear more of like this interview style, right? Interview and partially interview, partially conversation. It it's, does depend on the episode okay. that, you, that you pick, but um, let me uh, uh, read off some of these people, Fred Armisen and Jason Schwartzman. I do love Fred Armisen, so I I would like yeah, that. You, that's a that's absolutely an episode you uh, catch into. Um, Waste see. into, yeah. W- Waste about uh, one on here that I did not listen to, but I think would be a great list to Jamar Carmichael, Bo Burnham. Well, that sounds like something I want to get wasted with. You'd waste a whole bunch of time into that one. Uh, other hosts such as Martin Scorsese, oh, John, Joanne Hogg. Don't know who that is. Might want to find out. 
Yeah, listen to Martin Haxazy, uh, someone who's uh, <laughs> over the hill and hasn't produced a good movie in 10 years. But yeah, maybe hear what he has to say. Shots fired. All right, what's your rating for the A24 podcast? It's a clean 70. Uh, I'm not going to say it's for everybody. It's very in-depth with the uh, film industry. And, you know, it also just tends to be random topics, too, what these people want to talk about. So it's not like a, it's not like a series or anything like that. And you're not going to find anything specific out of it. Um, but it was just entertaining to put in my ears and hear from these people, have have real life conversations, which is always nice in a podcast instead of something scripted or weird interview with these people. Give them a give them a, a human persona. Exactly. Just listen to a conversation. Be part of it. What's that? Is that music I'm hearing? sound of music that's damn right that's some music because we are talking about the broad scope of music today luckily that audio cued you in i will be talking about an album known as razzmatazz by the band i don't know how but they found me which is actually what's the band's name again i don't know how but they found me which turns out to be a uh back to the future reference I think, I don't know if Doc says it, but I could imagine, Marty, I don't know how, but they found me. You know, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, that definitely feels like a a back two reference. Yeah, definitely, definitely back two. Uh, but actually, I, I say um, group, but it really it's a musical duo. Um, or I just said band, but really, it, and it, I, I use duo very loosely too, because it's pretty much all a guy named Dallin Weeks. He was the drummer uh, for Panic of the Disco uh, from 2009 to 2017, and he uh, he he was a songwriter. He did basses. He did the bass. Uh, did the bass. He slapped bassist. it. Basses. He did the bass. He did he, the. He based the bass. Slapping the bass, man. He was a keyboardist. He did he did a lot of things. Now he's 39 years old, kind of doing his own thing. Uh, him and Ryan Seaman. Um, no jokes, please. Are no, no relation. Yeah. No relation. Rest his soul. <laughs> um, are creating music together. And, and basically Ryan is now his drummer and his, uh, backup man. Uh, but down weeks is, is this, uh, gives us this really great vocal performance uh, in a genre that is not really like Panic! Disco at all, but I would compare it more to indie pop. And as I looked deeper into Dallin, I was like, oh, this is kind of an interesting sound. And it's coming from like the perspective of like a father. Like he's got two kids. Um, he's he's uh, 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 like myself, a, a former missionary. He's, he served two years out in like Oklahoma City. And I, I don't I don't know what, but I mean, whenever you, you know, whenever you f- find uh, someone else who served a mission, kind of feel a, a connection to them. There's a kindredship there. Right, right. You, you, you've, you've uh, it's like someone who's like former military, right? It's like you don't, you yeah. don't. You might not know the person per se, but you've definitely shared experiences. Right, right. We've we've both gone through that, just like somebody who went through basic training. You know, we went through the MTC. It's it's different, obviously, but you still feel that camaraderie. Um, so just listening to some of the things he has to say and how heartfelt they are, and like talking about being a dad, and uh, one of his songs is literally uh, called "I Need You Here," and it's from the perspective of his daughter who wants him to be home, but he's away touring. You know, and so just like. 
hearing that, that kind of emotional pull and like talking about um, his wife and you know it's just different it's from a different place he's 39 years old he's not he's not talking about the same things he was talking about when he was 20 and so it's a lot of fun to hear that and this indie pop sound is really fun and sometimes it's closer to like group love and other times it's closer to like um like 1975 like they have a a, a kind of a wide range um not every song on this album is great, but I would say um, out of like the 10 or so tracks, like seven or eight of them are really awesome and, and totally worth listening to. So uh, the song that I'm going to play for you guys, 30 seconds of, is called Kiss Goodnight. And it's a really uh, fun track and has a, a lot going to it. Um, and so without further ado, this is Kiss Goodnight by I Don't Know How, But They Found Me. And we're back in. That was Kiss Goodnight by I Don't Know How, But They Found Me. Wonderful. Beautiful music. Just beautiful music. It's I feel like it's hard to recommend me indie pop or pop in general. Um, but that that was just pleasant. It was really nice. It felt really sweet. Yeah, no, it definitely has killer vibes to it. I was listening to it and I felt kind of like a Brandon Flowers could have produced something like this. Also a kindred uh, former missionary uh, soul. Um, so I, I don't know, he, maybe he received inspiration from, uh, Brandon Flowers kind of doing his own thing. Uh, but I, 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 I loved like some of the synth stuff going on there and, um, it, it just, yeah, it's, it's light. It's fun. He's singing about his wife. Like it just felt heartfelt, you know, passionate music. Are you aware of the artist by the name of Anthony Green? I have never listened to Anthony Green. Um, have you really listened to his full band, uh, Circus Survive? Okay. Yeah. I'm very familiar with Circus Survive. So um, one of my favorite bands, and then also he has this album, um, Beautiful Things. Uh, there's a lot of songs that relate in the same way of being a father and like having songs for, uh, you know, based around his children and stuff like that. He obviously uh, leans more towards the hardcore punk scene right. rather than the missionary, former missionary scene. But um, <laughs> I mean, that's just the best way to relate this. I, I kind of really do respect that uh, perspective a lot. Like it, right. it, it, it's not common to um, hear people sing about that or have that uh, sort of subject in their music and not only to make it, uh, it, it, it has to be super personable and super um, sincere. Sincere. So it, it comes out, it has to come off super sincere because this is like, it, this is your family you're talking about. And it's very, very heartfelt and full of love. And, you know, if it comes off, you know, if it comes just off by a degree, it's like, uh, this song kind of blows. Right. No, it definitely, he definitely brings the, um, empathy, love aspect and, you know, yeah, he definitely want he, he, he comes from a, a very sp- a special place that I think he's kind of fed up with, you know, panic at this going, doing that kind of scene. He just wants to do something for himself. You know, he's nearly 40, like he's ready to kind of yeah. do something he cares about. And he doesn't care if they make money. Like I, I think I literally just found it like 
looking through artists that were similar on Spotify and I found them and they're doing well enough for each other themselves now, but, um, he, it wasn't like promoting. He wasn't, he's just doing something that he yeah, wanted I mean, to do. Yeah. When you catch that artist, you know, in just creating for the love of creating, like it, it more times out of not that it's, it's, it's something serious and beautiful and, and you know, worth the listen. Want to drop a rating on that sucker? I will drop the 8-0, the Grady. Um, I think this album has a lot to offer. Um, it's really good, and we've listened to it a lot. My wife, I think, even liked it more than me, which I was surprised. Uh, it has, like I said, like two songs that are like acoustic. Like one has like an old like ragtime piano, and one's like pretty like acoustic. I don't know. Those those two are kind of weird, uh, sad, like self-loathing sad, and, and those are just instant skips. So that's why I instant skip songs like kind of really tarnish um, a full album's kind of completeness yeah, for me. Yeah, of course. But for the most of the rest of it, it's really, really solid. It's stuff like that. I think that is, Kiss Goodnight's probably the best song on the album, which I would give like closer to like 92 because I really like the the smooth sound to it. And so if you like that kind of MD pop sound, you will enjoy this album. Freaking gnarly, dude. Sounds great. All right, bro. Slap on some ska for me. All right, so uh, known as one of my not-so-favorited genres of music, uh, this is the album called Ska Dream by Jeff Rosenstock. For for whatever reason, I have a little dyslexia with his last name, and I want to say Rosin, Mm. but I'm I'm probably 80% sure that it's Rosenstock. Just like me with Cillian Murphy, learning it was Killian. Yeah, just I, I, for whatever reason, it, it propels me to mispronounce a name. But uh, let's just talk about ska in general, dude. Um, it's not a great genre of music. Here's a fun fact for you. Ska is actually like was created back in like I think the 50s. And it's like more close to like a reggae type music. And then um, a bunch of angsty boys in the late 80s and early 90s created the genre of ska punk, which incorporates a lot of those those instruments and like a lot of like what inspired like modern day reggae of like some different kind of horns and like that's where like skanking comes from and stuff to create ska punk as we know it today, which a lot of people just commonly just call it ska. And that's probably what this album is probably more closely to ska punk. The reason I bring this album to you is because it tips the uh, spectrum way more closer to punk, which is, uh, is is a genre of music I'm more familiar with and more comfortable with. So like like you said previously, those insta-skip uh, sad boy songs, um, this is just an album full of it with the <laughs> with the dressing up of ska punk. Well, here's the thing. I, I love ska punk. Like I'm, I've been into ska punk since I popped Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 in and, and listened to uh, Superman by Goldfinger. Like I instantly, a uh, huge fan of ska punk. I, I will... I'll go to ska punk concerts. I'll skank around. Like I, I don't care. Like I, I've loved the addition of horns, and I, I think that's like an element of jazz that I love is those those brass and um, the fast pacedness of it all. And I can, I, I know people who find ska punk is the most annoying thing in the world. Like they think it's awful. So I'm a big fan. So I'm looking forward to getting a little peek of this. What are you gonna uh, show to us here uh, on this lovely podcast uh, um. afternoon? So my apologies for the spoilers, but I do kind of just within this conversation, I decided to pick Ohio pork pie as our listen, um, sort of the uh, climax of the uh, uh, or the grandiose finish, I should say, of the album. Scott finish. So this is Ohio pork pie by Jeff Rosenick. Girl, 
Rosen stuff. That was a little taste of Ohio Pork Pie by Jeff Rosenstock. How'd you feel about that, dude? I felt things. Um, it definitely starts off sounding kind of like uh, early 2000, like some 41. And then as it starts going, you get a lot more of that classic Scott Punk sound. Uh, a little bit more like um, Real Big Fish kind of, uh, you know, that less than Jake, that, that typical Scott Punk, like bump, 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 like that, that tempo. I think it's like a... Uh, like a four sixteen or something, some kind of like musical tempo that Scott Punk usually holds to, and they yes transitions so, to that. Yeah, so the reason I picked that song is because it 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 that song specifically straddles the line where it's like I'm gonna you know this you know quarter of a verse is gonna be screamed out in punk, and the next quarter is gonna have huge horns, and it's like it's it's just ripping back and forth, back and forth between a punk line and a ska line, and you have this you know random like plucky guitar ska style and then it's also just slamming like it's a punk song um but if you check out the whole album it's it goes song to song like that um much more songs that are focused in this uh ska dream if you uh by the words there it's like um it might be the lyrics themselves might be a little darker and a little bit more uh in tune with a punk crowd but the blanket over it and what you're feeling and the vibe that it's giving is completely, you know, super deep horns. And like you said, that tempo is definitely a ska tempo where it's just keeping up, keeping up, keep them up, keep them up, you know? Yeah. I, I really did like it though. I'm looking for it. I'll listen to the whole thing. Cause I love ska. Um, and he's got a good voice. He's also like 39 as well. So, you know, we're getting to these 40 year old artists. They're definitely coming at things from a different perspective, more seasoned angle, and been around the industry for a while. Right. And, you know, when you it, when you typically, typically think about the industry, you know, that's like it, it's a big point of people's lives where they cannot make music anymore because they completely cannot relate. Right. Um, I I did like the one uh, article saying um, calling him a DIY punk uh, rocker. And uh, I definitely feel that, you know, I definitely feel like he's kind of taken matters into his own hands and kind of um, reclaimed like what sound he wanted to do because he can yeah. do whatever he wants now, you know? Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's the beauty I found in this album. It's like uh, Discog tends to like, like, like you said, there's a certain uh, there's a certain few instruments that make your sound ska and a certain few tropes that you that you align to. And it's like it's fine. All music has that. Um, they might just be not the sounds that I'm looking for in music, but then when you, you know, inject it with this heavier punk sound and this punk aggressiveness and punk vocals, it, it, it completely ramps it up for me. And I did truly enjoy this song to the, about the tune of, let's call it a 78. Yeah. That's a, that's nearly great. So I, I'm not going to say this is going to, you know, break up any list that I have in my head of like, what's great and what's, what's not great 
I enjoyed myself. I, I did really enjoy myself. And there's a few songs that I'm sure I can throw onto a playlist here and there. Um, I don't know how many more times I'm going to run through the uh, entirety of the album, if I'm completely honest with myself. Yeah, it's a mood. Scott Punk's a mood for sure. So yeah, like it, like driving here with the sun on and you know sunglasses on, chilling with a big fat coffee. Like it was nice. Yeah, it's it's a vibe for sure. And that's what a waist cap sounds like. All right, so get that through your thick skull over there. Should we? Um Maybe like a garbage truck backing up and like somebody tossing bags of garbage into it or like slamming like a the tin can uh, lids. Someone, someone from really far away being like, that's my waist cap. Some Boston, you know, picking up bottles off the street. Hey, it's recycling. <laughs> that's not the waste cap. Uh, well, this is the waste cap. Spoilers. And I will be talking about uh, last uh, month's episode of when D. Rye recommended me Genesis Ousu, uh, his Smiling With No Teeth album. Um, I, I think you made a smart choice on the sample song for me. Um, I think that was the... Uh, Smiling With No Teeth. I think that was the best um, song on the album. Um, nice. I, I, that that's the other part of this podcast that I like to snipe out. It's like, how am I going to find the best song for this guy? How do I get across what I like to this guy or to the audience in general? Yeah. Don't need you. It's phenomenal. It's great. And then uh, you hit it on the nail with like the, the last few tracks are just kind of strange, different Mac DeMarco sounding like a song about fishing. No looking back. I love song about fishing. Um, it, It's, it's a very uh, waiting on you. That's the song that you chose. Yes. Not Don't Need You, but Don't Need You is also good. It, the whole album is really awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, how different he is. Uh, we Even while texting you, I had explained that he, this is crazy for his first album. It's so well-produced. Um, it's it's very intelligent um, composition. I don't know who's helping him with this, but, I mean, whoever, whatever team he's got is really, really smart. And uh, Yeah, it's such an authentic sound for a debut. Yeah, it's it's original too. Like that's that's what's huge about it. Like it doesn't. doesn't we can relate it to those like like we said. I said in the review basically like you know your Death Grips, your um, Pixel Bath, your Matt DeMarco. Like we can relate it because there's nothing that really sounds like it. Right. That's what really impressed me about uh, Duckworth's album Super Good is that he was doing his own thing for once. Like it did. It didn't sound like. I mean, I listened to some of his older stuff, and it's and it's good, but it did sound like a lot of what's the flavor of the month. Whereas this was him kind of finally doing his own thing and going with his own kind of jam and and, and funk. And here, Genesis Owusu, Genesis Owusu is doing that as well. He's kind of got his own rhythm, his own beat, and it makes for like, yeah, absolutely one of the best like uh, hip hop uh, grungy type feeling albums that I've ever heard. And I really I really liked it a lot. I'm giving it an 88 giving him that coveted Grady 8, Crazy 88, uh, because it, it really speaks to me. It's totally a Molden for Holden type of album. Super great, dude. Super good. What about you, bro? What's What did you waste cap for your home? Yeah, Dizzle? I think it was it was about time for me to waste cap the uh, WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Due time. Um, 
it, it has been a while since I watched it, and I don't I don't know how much more enthusiasm I have about it. There's just a few questions I guess we can discuss is uh, mm-hmm. Paul Bettany's body and how, how good he looks. I forgot that you messaged me about that. How good he looks and what percentage of the vision is CGI'd. Right, and I made the joke that it's all CGI. He's just like he's like the Captain America from Captain America One, like that really like thin body. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all CGI on top of that. He's been injected by super serum by Marvel, so he, that's why he looks like that. Yeah, but you sent me some pictures that said my theory is incorrect, and apparently he is um, actually uh, Captain America, Chris Evans buff. The thing is, is Paul Bettany super tall? You know what I mean. So it's just muscle looks great on him. It does look even, good. even though it doesn't have to be a lot, a ton of muscle. Like short guys, you need to build a ton of muscle to like look good. You gotta have tall, huge traps, right? Yeah, exactly. Tall guys, it's like it, the muscles are just perfectly, you know, proportioned already. So, um, he's six three. Yeah, I mean, come on, the guy, the guys, the guys, the vision's huge. It, it, very Adonis like. Um, but uh, besides getting uh too far off topic. Uh, <laughs> What do you mean? This is what the show's about. It, it, it's all the show that it's it's what I wanted the show to be about. Honestly, is more uh, a skin tight vision, uh, you know, outfits. Can we fit in there? He is the um, best part about it, though. Yeah, Paul Bettany, uh, absolutely, and uh, you know, Wanda. She has a great role in it too. Uh, their their specific performances is what you know kept me from uh, turning it off. Yeah, I, and I because he doesn't, he doesn't. Neither one of them really in the MCU have ever gotten a chance to shine. Like they, they've always yeah. felt like in, very. In, yeah, they're they're in the group scenes, which which is totally a, a misrepresentation of them because they're wonderful actors. Right, even like the few intimate moments they shared, like in Endgame or whatever, it still feels a phoned in and b confined to a box. And here, yeah. they finally get to be and like oh, these he, what these characters and, are. Yeah, Paul Bettany's dead the whole entire time during Endgame. Spoilers, no spoilers. You should have watched it already, idiot. Um, but yeah, like like I said, like they're amazing actors. So you also said that in our review, um, there's an episode for me, and I had no idea what episode that is. Just to, just to <laughs> do this again to you, I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. What what episode was for me? I think I even said what number it was. I think I said episode six. Episode I, six. I, I I didn't think. It, I guess when was I said it the f- Malcolm in the Middle one. Yeah. Okay. I just figured you'd appreciate that there was a Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, I did. I did really appreciate it. it. Was it was okay? So yeah, that's how the the show goes. It like you know it rips off of uh, 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 pop culture icons of TV and especially like the family sitcoms of TV. And yeah, I mean, I I, I appreciated the Malcolm in the Middle episode all the way up to the when the credits started and ended. You know, the opening credits, I should say. Yeah, that was the that was the most Malcolm in the Middle it really got. Yeah, I no, I I felt like I I loved the kids too. It's like from the kids' perspective, like the kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the kids monologuing, like running around. Yeah, and you have uh, uh, Sony Ed, Sony Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah, Evan Peters. Yeah, running around. It, it. I mean, yeah, it was a great episode, but it still had a lot of the. Uh, it it also was one of those episodes that had the ugliness of Marvel in it too, the the whole you know the. We got to save the world and save the town. Yeah, sure, but that that's that's to be expected in in this series as a whole. Truly, yeah. Talking about it, it's there's definitely the 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 first 
there's a lot of parts that do not feel shackled down. And then there's a lot of parts that do feel like they're shackled down to this big overarching thing. Like it just feels like it can't be an original entity like it wanted to be, which kind of sucks. But yeah, like what was it? The Just the whole like Kat Dennings arc yeah. was like, it was, it's, it, it disappointed me so much because it needed to be in the show. It, it wouldn't have there would be there would be no interest in the rest of the show outside of uh Wanda and Vision if there wasn't like other characters you know what i mean right like detective wu like he's fun and like yeah he was an ant man he's interesting stuff. yeah but it's just like i don't know that that, that whole outside focus and then again i'm i'm not trying to rehash what i already said but it seems like you feel similarly to yes. my my statements that yes. it's they they needed to ground this awesome in idea and by grounding it they um clipped its wings yeah it, it's it's really? a, it's a caged bird yeah i'm gonna give it the 80 because it's good it's really good it's great it's yeah. really fun people might even say it's borderline great borderline great which is what an 80 is yep it's re- it's the line it's the line i don't know how else to say it um I also like to imagine that season two, um, Wanda's gonna, uh, you know, Wanda has to go find Nega Vision, like Shadow Vision, the the white version, the whitewashed version. Vision the Hedgehog. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> I don't know. It's such a weird choice. That's like a, I feel like it's an old uh, what's it called, an old Zelda. Isn't that wasn't that born in Zelda where there's like Zelda a, two, yeah. There's a there's a Dark, shadow version, Dark that, Link. Yeah, that Link has to fight. It's so funny. It's so funny to see that in modern stuff, because like it 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 feels so video gamey to me. To like, oh the the antithesis of this character is this character, and it's like it, it in a sense it's uncreative. Spoilers for Wandavision. If you ain't watched it yet, you're a freaking idiot. Double down, huh? Double down. If you watch to this part of the waist cap, you're not an idiot. You like the show. <laughs> hey, you, hey, you get the show. And and speaking of get the show, how about you email the show? How about that? If you want me to watch something, I'll pirate it. Hey, what's so hard about emailing us? Like really, like email us and let it, let us know what 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 is so difficult <laughs> about. <laughs> if, let me. Let me know, like yeah. <laughs> e- email email us and in, in in you know one and two paragraphs tell us why you're not emailing us. Yeah, can you can you explain to me like I don't know, just explain why it's been so hard that you haven't emailed us yet. Like, just tell me. Is it because we're Dude. at two hours and twenty one minutes? Be honest, be honest. Is it because we're at two hours and twenty one I mean, minutes? I mean, it's it's a it's a once a month podcast. True. Break it up. Break it up to a. How many emails can you write in a month? Huh? Thirty minutes a week, and you'll and you won't have to wait that long. That'd be long. sick. That'd be sick. No, just listen to it like thirty minutes a day, and you'll you bump through it. You'll rock right through it in five and, days. And just like that, we're we're rocking right through the end of the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure being um, your host. It's been a pleasure being here with the birthday boy. Um, Truly, we are going to watch a, a movie tonight. Um, for the will it, will it show up on next month? Probably not. It might. There's 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 a chance. If you don't watch any anime this month, it might. It, oh, okay, yeah. I guess I will be watching some anime. I could put it in the movie. I could put it in the movie section. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, take our um, recommendations for how to waste our time and um, go go waste them. Listen to my uh, episode on draft punks about game shows and yes, and see. I, technically, I didn't win. Um, in fact, I think I got like third place. Yeah, but uh, tell me if you would have voted for me, huh? <laughs> Let, write, write an email. Say I I would. I think there's for one you. of those. There's one of those from me, brother. Little hang loose emoji. I was like, hey, I was like, is hang in there. With that, with that draft, hang in there, bud. Um, speaking of hanging in there, hang on. We're ending the show right now. Um, salutations, my friends, uh, and remember, uh, be good to each other, and live long and prosper. We have sign offs now. Cup, baby, just to let me down. <laughs>